is one of the biggest stories coming out of the January 6th riots, uh, the loss of life for Officer Sicknick. It's a, it's a sad story. And, you know, my, my respect and condolences to his family. But it looks like now the New York Times has essentially retracted the claims they made early on that this officer died due to essentially blunt force trauma to the head from a fire extinguisher. Now, as soon as impeachment is over, they basically come out and retract it, saying, actually, that didn't happen. And the official reporting from local news is that, or I, I don't know which, I don't, I don't think it's the U.S. Uh, D.C. local news. I think it was out of Houston, but they reported the man died of an unrelated stroke. This was the big story that violent and angry Trump supporters brutally and mercilessly beat this cop and, and ultimately killed him. And it was one of the biggest arguments in the impeachment. It just was not true. So I can't say I'm surprised, but I do feel a little disappointed in myself because I, I believed it too. We, I mean, we talked about it several times on this show and it was just a whole lot of BS. So we have, we'll, we'll talk basically about this, a little bit about impeachment, the doctoring of evidence in the impeachment trial, which I believe ultimately led to the whole thing just spiraling out of control and collapsing. And uh, we got some other news too. Biden has gone pretty hard in favor of gun control, which most of us already knew he was going to do, but he's, he's made the official call. And we do have H.R. 127 now preparing to enter committee, which is a pretty drastic gun control legislation. So we'll talk about this and a bunch of other things. We've got two guests tonight. Joining us, of course, once again, is Will Chamberlain. Good to see you. So who are you? What are you doing here? Well, I'm, I'm the co-publisher of Human Events, and I'm also senior counsel at the Internet Accountability Project, which fights against the abuses of big tech. Um, as well as the Article 3 project, which was dedicated to getting Trump's justices confirmed. Now, I think we're a little more about opposing uh, Biden's judges. Um, but so those are that's sort of my you, general work. You're also fighting for social media access as a civil right. That's it, correct. I mean, that's part of my work at Inter Internet Accountability Project. Um, I mean, I've, I've long said I think it should be conceptualized, the ability to use Facebook and Twitter as a civil right. Well, Parler's back. So that's a, that's more big news. Yeah. I mean, I, a good question about whether people will come back. Um, I mean, I, I, well, I, I made two parlays. Is that what it is? Two mm -hmm. parlays. Mm -hmm. And then the, the site got hugged to death. So <laughs> I think they don't have the capacity they once did. You know, back when they were on Amazon, they had all this capacity. And now everybody rushes back in when the news breaks and then the site can't handle it. Right. Exactly. Which is why maybe Amazon shouldn't be able to do that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So we have another guest, but uh, Will, why don't you introduce our other guest? Well, well, my lovely fiance is joining us on the podcast. Jordan Lancaster um, wow. is a reporter at The Daily Caller oh. um, and a much more savage than me on Twitter. I yeah, <laughs> she's great. Yes. You want to just give us a, you know. Brief intro. What do you do? What do you do? Um, what do you, what? I'm a reporter at the Daily Caller. I just pretty much write about everything: breaking news, politics. Um, yeah, go on social media, tweet too much. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Simple enough. Yeah. And we also got Luke Rudkowski, as per usual. Brutal on Twitter, by yes, the way. I Congratulations. Also, <laughs> also, Tim. Tim, uh, what does the government do once it disarms its citizenry? Uh, gulags. No. Whatever they want. Mm -hmm. Welcome oh. back, beautiful and amazing human beings. My name is Lukardowski of We Are Change.org. I am your humble t-shirt vendor, and you could purchase the t-shirts that I wear on this shirt, on this show, another Floridian slip, on thebestpoliticalshirts.com. Uh, the thebestpoliticalshirts.com. Thanks, thanks so much for supporting me and what? having me. What, what did you just Lord say? Slip. Lord 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 yeah. slip. Like a mix yeah. of Freud and Foucault. I know. I know. Yeah, I know. It's, it's quite the fusion. <laughs> it's, it's 5D, you know, trickery here. Yeah, you guys, okay. Yeah, he made everybody line. remember his phrase. Exactly. You know, it was like, true. you know, they used to do these advertisements back in the day that were almost like optical illusions. So like a, a good example is there was a picture of a girl on a swing with three legs. And the idea was that when you're flipping the page of the magazine, 
your brain would notice this like oddity, but you wouldn't think twice, but then your brain would remember it. So they would purposefully make these weird images that people would be like, oh, that's weird. What are they doing? Like, is it three legs? So that's what Luke's doing. And He's it would trying grab to your attention. Now you're going to be talking about it. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me grab your attention for a minute, my friends. Before we get into all that news talk, go to TimCast.com and become a member. We've got a ton of exclusive podcast segments and even a few full episodes. The latest we did, we talked about new FOIA document proving the U.S. has alien technology and crazy metamaterials at least according to a UFO expert. So, so a lot of fun there. And then we got another segment with Matt Brainerd. He's the guy who ran the Voter Integrity Project. And he talked to us about his upcoming report on illegal ballots in Georgia. And he made a pretty bold statement, which will, you know, we'll leave that segment. That, that whole news will be coming out in the next week or so. But for members, you can go check it out. And being a member helps support the channel in the event that we get banned because we talk about things that, you know, they basically ban people for. It may come soon. By being a member, you'll be able to access all of our content in the event we get wiped out. That's where we will be. But that being said, let's jump to the big news story. It really breaks my heart. The National Review reports, the Times corrects the record on Officer Sicknick's death, sort of. The gist of the story, the officer who lost his life, it was an unrelated stroke. They say, a few days ago, the New York Times quietly, quietly updated its report, published over a month earlier asserting that Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick had been killed by being struck with a fire extinguisher during the January 6th riot. According to the update, quote, new information has emerged regarding the death of the Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick that questions the initial cause of his death provided by officials close to the Capitol Police. They say, as I detailed in a column last week, what the Times calls new information actually began emerging the same day the paper filed its January 8th report. More importantly, they initially said law enforcement sources now they're saying officials close to the Capitol Police. What is that? Muriel Bowser, the D.C. mayor? Could it be like a homeless guy who's next to the police department? That's one thing I always pointed out when they say close to. What does that even mean? Well, they say official, I suppose. So at least it's somebody who's working. They say that report was and still is entitled Capitol Police Officer Dies from Injuries in Pro-Trump Rampage. It was not the only such Times report from that day. There was another entitled, quote, he dreamed of being a police officer, then was killed by a pro-Trump mob in which the Times assert, uh, asserted on Wednesday, pro-Trump supporters attacked the Citadel of Democracy, overpowered Mr. Sicknick, 42, and struck him in the head with a fire extinguisher, according to two law enforcement officials. With a bloody gash in his head, Mr. Sicknick was rushed to the hospital and placed on life support. He died on Thursday evening. But they mention KHOU uh, he reported he had died from a stroke. The story made no mention of the officer being struck by a fire extinguisher. It did claim, however, that the stroke occurred at the Capitol during the riots, and a caption under the officer's photograph stated that he died of injuries sustained during the riot at the Capitol. Isn't it amazing how they do that? Check this out. We have the actual article from KHOU11. U.S. Capitol Police Officer on Life Support Dies After Suffering Stroke Following Riots, Union Chair Said. This is from January 8th. How is, how is, how, how, I mean, I gotta be honest. How did, how did I miss this? I mean, this story's old. Yet this was one of the big aspects of the whole impeachment process. The officer who lost his life, they did this big event where they brought him into the Capitol building to lay him to rest. Should we be surprised by this? No, not at all. I mean, the New York Times went into detail. They talked about a bloody head, blunt force trauma, critical condition, rushed to the hospital. And now we're finding out all of that. What, what, was, what was that based on? 
Absolutely nothing. Where, where's the responsibility? Where's the accountability? YouTube, should, should, Facebook, Twitter, go after these people for knowingly spreading fake news. If you're going to apply this against, you know, the average Joe, your independent media, apply it to them. Whenever there's anonymous sources, I always say there's always reason to be skeptical. And they used anonymous sources. There was videos showing a fire extinguisher flying around. But imagine being a reporter at the New York Times, right? And then just totally fabricating this story. I mean, they're talking about their two sources. Who are their sources? You know, there should be revealed. They should burn them, right? Yeah. Like their sources yes. lied yep. to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So either they're okay with that being lied to about what's effectively blood libel, right? You're accusing a political yeah. movement of murder well, I, falsely. I, I have some break. Oh, God, Luke. Or they did what the mainstream media usually, usually does, and they fabricate and make up sources that are not there at all. So they do this a lot in the mainstream media. So go ahead. I, I have breaking news. Uh, 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 it is now confirmed to me from a source close to Nancy Pelosi's office <laughs> oh. in San Francisco that she is, in fact, a fascist who mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, selling us out to massive corporations. And and she is personally taking bribes from others close to her office. Now, this source close to her office is a homeless guy in the alley you know, behind her building. And he seems to be a bit out of it. You know, I think he's not getting his proper medication. You see the point I'm trying to make? Yeah. Clever word. Obviously, I don't have any confirmation on Nancy Pelosi being corrupt or whatever. Well, actually, I mean, (laughs) just read the news and you might come to that conclusion. The point I'm making is this kind of stuff happens all the time. And the New York Times lies all the time. And I I just, it's funny that this story came out a, a month and a half ago and the New York Times is only just now updating it. And it's not even admitting fault. It's just saying, well, there's other sources saying something different. Like you would think that you'd be able to confirm or deny the story about him being the victim of blunt force trauma. That's either true or it's not. And a month after his death, we would know the answer to that question. The crazy thing is that I got to be honest. I think uh, I think a lot of us missed this. I particularly missed it. And it's because we don't read local news. Hmm. Local news is hurting really bad. Their their ad rates are drying up and people are are sending their money to the New York Times. So it really is true that we need good journalists to help us understand what's going on right now. Well, just going on in general. And because local news is suffering, more and more people want the national story. More and more people are attracted to the orange man bad narrative. They ignore what's happening around them. Then you have these smaller outlets who actually reach out to the union, find out what really happened. And how is it that we've now gone into an impeachment a month later with this narrative? Like when when they when they laid Officer Sicknick to rest in the Capitol, it was well after it was reported he just died from a stroke. Mm-hmm. So but, remember when this first happened and we were talking about it, and somebody in the chat was like, "He's actually not dead yet." We're like, "He has already died." That's right. That was what was first reported was that he was gone like as soon as this happened, and that right from the get go, it was inconsistent what they were talking about whether he was actually gone or not, and they couldn't make up their minds. He was on life support. Yeah. I mean, this is supposed to be the paper of record. Mm. If, they, if the journalist isn't willing to burn their anonymous sources, the journalist should be fired. Like, I mean, you're trying to, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's, 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 it's we shouldn't be surprised that the New York Times is media matters, but like it still is, <laughs> it still no, is actually kind of infuriating that they can't even maintain the pretense. And, of the another journalism. thing we have to understand here, this was a very important emotional talking point. We saw a lot of mainstream media figures and also politicians talk about the officer that was beat with a fire extinguisher over its head until he was dead. 
beat bloody with a fire extinguisher over and over psychological kind of uh you know op- operation some people would would say to push the bigger point that look how horrible how evil these people are when in reality they, they were they were caught with their pants down they were lying about this from the very beginning and if they're lying about this what else are they lying about that's the bigger question americans should be asking themselves uh but they're not they shouldn't how- be trusted and again i i point to again the big social tech media companies they want to combat fa- uh, fight fake news fight it right now prove them. Give, give us an example of the mainstream media actually getting a taste of their own medicine. This is why it's so important that Parler is coming back. Because Twitter suppresses news. These big tech giants suppress news. I mean, Twitter literally shut down the Hunter Biden story. And then they, they, they take down Parler with more fake news. So the big claim when, when Parler got taken down was basically that people were organizing on Parler for the Capitol riot. And that was a lie. So all of this information coming out is a lie. Yeah, I mean, we're being like, I mean, the the good example there was Facebook was far more of the center of that sort of organizing for January 6th. Um, something mm-hmm. like if you actually look at the criminal indictments, like 80% of them mentioned organizing on Facebook. There was plans that. online to, yeah. <laughs> to go after the Capitol. Right. There's groups, there's individuals publicly talking about this. And then the, the intelligence agencies, you know, oh, you know, we had no idea. We had no clue. Mm-hmm. And then and then when it comes to the inauguration, huge, massive security theater, well, huge National Guard look, on the church because there is a now, now there is a legitimate threat. Look, look, you got to give them some credit. They may have dropped the ball this time, but I mean, they've been particularly diligent in, in doing their jobs. Like when, um, when the, when the noose was found at the NASCAR garage, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. were there. They, they were, were on it. And they were, yes, absolutely. Uh, well, how many were like over a dozen? Yeah. A dozen <laughs> so, you know, yeah. w- when we need the most, they're there. I mean, who really cared about the Capitol? Right. I mean, you know, That's we didn't need them. Well, there's other reports that I'm seeing that Trump actually requested troops on that day and he was denied. I still haven't been able to independently uh, verify no, it's that. That's true. Okay. Yeah. So Mayor, Mayor uh, Muriel Bowser said she didn't want a massive police presence. When they said they were going to bring in the National Guard, she said she didn't want them to be armed. There, there, there were other uh, individuals in, you know, D.C. politics saying, like, oh, no, you know. And, and it may be that because of Black Lives Matter and the optics around the police coming in, you know, going after the protesters. But they were they guarding the White House, you know, pretty diligently. I mean, there was fences around the White House weeks before uh, January 6th. So, you know, something, of course, a lot of people are asking a lot of questions, especially with some of the people that are arrested that had ties to the FBI. Now, I don't want to get all conspiratorial because, because again, we have no actual proof or evidence of this. You have a lot of conjecture. You have a lot of people, uh, you know, connecting the dots on certain issues. But I think it's fair to say that there, there definitely should be a lot more questions about this event i I think it's pretty demoralizing man you know i I use the new york times all the time and i generally give them the benefit of the doubt that when they're reporting something it's likely to be true not not massively likely i'm not saying 99 percent, but at least come on 51 percent. there's just like a banal awfulness for our (laughs) institutions right now i I mean you know rent said something about the banality of evil i wouldn't call them evil but they're just awful. They're like not the banality of like awfulness. The banality yeah. of awfulness. They're just so bad at doing at performing their basic function. You know. You know. I mean, they they've been bad though. I wanna. I wanna. I wanna sit here and play this whole like Barry Weiss angle. You know, for those aren't familiar, she worked for the Times. She wrote this big letter when she left, saying it's like wokeness and critical theory and intolerance taking over. But the reality is, the New York Times has been awful for a long time. I mean, the Iraq war, hmm. you know, it's just, uh, weapons it's, but of it's, mass it's destruction. It's gotten worse. I mean, I, I think the example would be like they, they broke the Hillary Clinton email story four yeah, years ago. Yeah, You know, they, 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 were, they published the Snowden articles when they came out during the Obama administration. There was 
I think I think there's two dynamics. One is, you know, Trump made them all deranged and they became like partisan as opposed to like just liberal, but trying to be, you know, trying to be objective. And then I think the second thing is, you know, you see all these woke scandals of the New York Times. And I mean, they're so consumed by these internal HR dramas <laughs> that they've lost their ability to perform their function of being journalists. Well, now they're, they're constantly writing about themselves. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. There's, well, there's like another article that came out right now about the New York Times and I can't remember who, but one of these media reporters. Ben Smith. Ben Smith. Was right? it Ben who was like the New York Times is, has become like a reality show where they're just writing articles about their own staff members now. But people people are clicking it. That's why they're yeah. doing it. Well, I remember a few years ago hearing about their investigative unit just being totally gutted by new acquisitions to the company. And, and that makes absolutely sense because if you don't have the budget to investigate stories or look into stories or research stories, well, you just have to make them up just like they did in this instance. And, and, and I think it's very fair to say that this, I mean, you could say evil, you could say just total ignorance, you could just say total stupidity. Whether it is or isn't, it's still absolutely wrong and bad and and it needs to be called out as much as it can so people realize that the new york times is not the newspaper of record it's the newspaper of whatever special interest or bozo behind it uh no no no. it's it's the lowest common denominator of subscribers Mm -hmm. so they probably look at their subscriber base the people who are paying you know digitally and they're like which one's gonna you know attract more people or which one will be interesting to most of the people who watch or you know who read our stuff and so you know I want to make sure that we don't become like the New York Times. We here at Tim Castire, which is why we're very seriously looking into setting up a TV commercial for our pillow. We're gonna we're gonna make sure that we use our resources for important things. That's right. Like a burlap sack full of packing peanuts that we advertise on primetime cable. Yes. Just as sort of like a culture jam, you know, or whatever. But I'm kidding, actually. We are we are working towards hiring reporters. And the idea would be the New York Times is going backwards. That's the way I view it. They're supposed to be Using, you know, all this all this stuff they report on, the funding they get from subscribers should go towards journalism that people probably don't want to hear or might not care about. Instead, what they're doing is they're getting rid of the journalism that people probably don't care about, but still needs to be reported and replacing it with internal drama and conflict. What I want to do here is that we have like we're all sitting here complaining about the New York (laughs) Times. We don't even do hardcore investigative journalism. So it's like easy for us to criticize. Well, we're going in the right direction in that. From a commentary podcast show, we're going to use funding towards factual journalism. And that's kind of the idea. I think they're doing the opposite. But look, I'll give them some respect in that they do journalism, although I'm pretty concerned about whether I can trust it at this point. And I think, you know, what we want to do is particularly different. We'll have a brand that literally only does journalism. So we're like, we'll create a website dedicated specifically to just reporting stuff. And then we can keep the commentary off of that. Otherwise, I don't know, man, I think... It's it's demoralizing. Yeah, it is. There there is something. It's just like you you rely on there being some institutions that re- remain nonpartisan. I think mm. it's it, and it's part of a bigger theme. Think about like the ACLU, for example. Everybody was great with the ACLU when they were just always fight free speech cases. You knew that it didn't matter if it was some communist or some terrible white nationalist, whatever it was. If they were having their free speech rights violated, the ACLU would go in and defend them. Because they were like, the principle matters more. It's about the right. Now they don't do that. Now they turn down far-right clients. Yep. Because they're uncomfortable with it. Um, well, well, now they're talking about gender on Twitter. Right. And I mean, I remember I went to an ACLU event. You know, they were like celebrating their anniversary. They didn't even have a free speech. Like, they didn't even talk about their free speech. Whoa. Work. They're mm-hmm. just embarrassed by it now. Well, they made a lot of money. They made a lot of money opposing Donald Trump. 
And this is why I've never been a big fan of most nonprofits, because they're corporations. They care about their bottom line. They have customers. Mm -hmm. The customers, I'll tell you this. I think think nonprofits are actually substantially more dangerous than for-profits in not every single one, obviously, but there are good for-profits that do the right thing, that are maybe sustainable and try to avoid polluting. And there are some good nonprofits that tend to be very small, and they actually want to help people. But here's what I find with most nonprofits. They are still just corporations. The customer is an individual who wants their hopes and dreams fulfilled, or at least wants to feel like they're doing something. Nonprofits make money by convincing you that you don't have to do anything. You don't got to change your life. You don't have to recycle. You don't have to go and fight for the rights of free speech. Just give me 20 bucks and I'll do it for you. And then they don't. They don't. But they want to make sure that their customers think they're getting a product. That's the crazy thing with a for, with a poor profit. Like if we're selling pillows, like we actually have one as a burlap sack mm, full of so packing cool. peanuts. I actually have to give you a sack full of packing peanuts. Otherwise, you're like, yo, where's my product? Mm-hmm. Not the nonprofits, not ACLU, and especially not the New York Times. This is the crazy thing about the news industry. If you call a plumber because your toilet breaks, right? Plumber comes in, fixes your toilet. You walk over, you flush it. It works. You say, okay, my toilet works. Here's your money. One day you call the plumber, your toilet doesn't work. He says, I fixed your toilet. Take my word for it. You flush it. Nothing happens. You say, bro, I'm not paying you. How do you know the New York Times or any other news organization is doing their job? How can you tell the article is, the, is exactly what you asked for in terms of a product, legitimate information? You can't. You can't check it. I mean, you can only guess. And I mean, you can infer from the fact that when they actually report something that's in your area of expertise, it's wrong. Um, right, right, right. right? The like Galman amnesia effect. The Galman amnesia effect. Yeah. I mean, that, keep, that keeps happening. You just see them report something. I remember, I remember doing this. I remember I went to, it was during the Flynn case and I went to a hearing and, you know, watched how Judge Sullivan handled the defendants and, you know, came out of that hearing and I was there. And then I watched all the news stations report it wrong. Like it right. was just their, their description. I mean, it was true insofar as they weren't making explicit factual errors, but their like entire description of it was super misleading. Um, That's how it is. Yeah. During the during the last show we did, when we did Super Chat, someone asked us this question, like, how do we trust what we read? And I went off on a tangent, but one of the things I said, if it's an anonymous source, there's a lot of reason to be skeptical. Another thing you really have to ask yourself when you're reading the news, whether it's even from independent or mainstream media, is who benefits who benefits from this information? And ask yourself what this, New York, yeah, with mm-hmm. this New York Times story. It's a, you know, a lot of independent critical thinkers use that term, Q Bono, uh, especially when uh, going through our modern news lexicon. But with that New York Times story, Q Bono, who benefits from that psychological, emotional damage that was kind of sent out there to the general public who benefits from the story being perpetrated that these ravaged savages beat someone over the head and bashed their head in until their skull exploded with a fire extinguisher well it's, who it's benefits a, off of that the cabal yeah well, no, 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 no 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 i i don't know who the cabal is but time magazine said hmm. that there was a cabal their words not mine mm-hmm. of wealthy elites who were conspiring again Time Magazine said that, not me. To fortify the election? Well, to yeah, ensure the proper outcome. Of course, right. yes. And so who benefits? Well, the people who are trying to impeach Donald Trump. I would normally just say the Democrats, mm-hmm. but apparently Time Magazine says there's a cabal. So yeah. I guess it's canon now. You know, I, you know, for a long time, people have referred to the cabal in a sort of conspiratorial way. And people have been like, oh, come on, there's no cabal. Well, I, Time Magazine, an official certified news guard source, 
You can put it in Wikipedia now, the cabal, and then put a little citation to the Time Magazine article. It exists. I'm, I'm half kidding, by the way. But the, the bigger point is, the next story we have is, is coming off of the impeachment from this weekend. The Democrats definitely benefited from fake news, but they also benefited from the fake news they created with the evidence that they doctored. So I don't know if you guys saw this, Will, Jordan, the, uh, the tweets and the selective <laughs> video. So I think everybody noticed the videos were off. They cut what Trump said. They added audio like after or in between. But more importantly, they actually showed a tweet that they totally just made. My mm-hmm. favorite, my favorite, I don't know if it was a screw up or not, was when a woman tweeted, we're bringing the Calvary. Mm-hmm. And then was it Eric Swalwell said, she said she's bringing the cavalry. That's not do you right. guys know what the Calvary is? It's I like do. it's like a religious thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know it's, exactly. It's a represent. It, it's I, I could be wrong, so but that is a reference to the hill that Jesus died on. It's a very strong religious reference, and I completely understand what she's saying there. She's like trying to bring religion into it and make it be like a almost like a crusade, which also I don't really like, but I kind of understand that better. It is an open air representation of the crucifixion of Jesus, right. and they did bring the cross and raised it on the Capitol. There you go. They were bringing the Calvary. And he said cavalry as if to imply they were going to be storming the gates on horseback. They clearly didn't know what they were talking about. Well, there's more, there's more than that. There was a, I mean, they changed the date on a tweet, right? That, that, was, might, that might seem small, but that's... The year, well, right? Well, so, but that wasn't in the actual trial. That was in the New York Times. But this is where the media comes in to lie to everyone once again. Check this story out from Business Insider. They say Trump lawyer accuses house managers of manipulating evidence by pointing to doctored tweets that weren't used in the impeachment trial. Did you hear that? Weren't used in the impeachment trial? Was it in the briefing? It was used in the impeachment trial. Mm -hmm. What happened was Swalwell created, he recreated tweets. Why? Well, Donald Trump's account has been banned. Mm -hmm. In his recreation, an image that was shown in the New York Times had the wrong date, January 3rd, 2020. Mm -hmm. When they presented that same doctored tweet, it was actually two tweets in one graphic image. They corrected it to 2021 to say that they didn't use that simply because they altered it slightly to a certain degree is absolutely insane because what what Trump's lawyers were saying was they added the verification badge to make it seem like Trump was quoting a public figure, probably of some prominence, telling people to show up in D.C. and to bring the cavalry, Mm -hmm. which like the funny thing was when he was saying that the actual image said cavalry. Like they mm-hmm. didn't know what it was. And I remember when this happened in the trial, I saw an actual lefty journalist say cavalry or Calvary. Does this guy not know the difference? And this was like a lefty journalist. He didn't. That's that. You know what, man? Maybe the only reason this guy got in is because Fang Fang was propping him up. Bang, bang. Well, He's Fang still on Fang. the House Intelligence Committee. For <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, like, I mean, go back 30 years, major any politician during the Cold War gets caught. Like, oh, you Are slept you with kidding? a Russian spy? Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Like, that's the end of your career. Oh, you, you, you are asked to resign by the, your, your party. Your own party, how, yeah. How, yeah. Can we, how can we not be demoralized <gasps> when you have a guy who was aided in his, in his campaign for office by a Chinese spy? He was, he was sleeping with her, right? Literally, yeah. He was sleeping with her? I believe so, yeah. Those are the allegations, he was all, he, uh, he was but a, he won't answer specifically if he did or didn't. So, so yes. some people are saying guilt by association by, by not even responding. to. Well, I don't agree question. with that. I, well, I'd like some to, people are saying that. But I'd, I'd like proof. But let's just we, we know he, had, he was associated and working with and she was helping his campaign. That's I, a fact. I wouldn't want to see the proof. I oh, mean, gosh, uh, poor, no. poor Fang Fang. <laughs> uh, poor, poor Fang Fang? Poor really Fang Chinese Fang. spy? Yeah, she had to, she had to, you know, be with Mr. Swalwell. That's I mean, a good point. There was a Babylon Bee article. 
the guy who saying. farted on TV, remember? Yes. yes there, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, the man also parroted a lot of the uh, communist Chinese government talking points throughout yep. his uh, career. Fang Fang was very instrumental in raising a lot of funds for his election. And uh, the Babylon Bee article said something like, uh, Chinese spy sent to internment camp uh, <laughs> because she was f- forced to sleep with uh, Eric Swalwell, oh, chose internment camp <laughs> specifically to I avoid sleeping oh, with, with Swalwell. You know, so, again, rude. satirical article. Uh, but but again, That's major dedication. story should 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 have been covered more. There should be more attention to this. There should have been at least more hearings about what actually was released, especially with him being on the on the right, intelligence right. committee hearings. But, like but, like what information does China have? from eric Here, here's the point i wanted to make here's a guy who definitely needs to be investigated because of his association with a chinese spy and he's leading impeachment presenting doctored evidence yeah. and look i i it, it, there's almost no point in having the argument over the veracity or the severity of the doctored evidence you know that the left goes oh it was just a verification badge it's meaningless and i'm like i literally don't care they they created that image. Try that in a federal court. Yeah, you'll get. Right. They'll throw you out. They'll be like, "What do you? How dare you? Manufacture? Judge will, judge will sanction you, mm-hmm. and you will face discipline at the bar, right? If you doctor any sort of evidence in any way. Yeah, it's not just doctored. He manufactured the image. Wow. It was edited together, and they and and the argument is, but it's because Trump's account was deleted. It doesn't matter. You can go into the archives, and the woman's tweets still exist. Instead. He just manipulated an image. That, to me, is mind-blowing. It shows you that this was a completely unserious trial. And then, they, he just we all knew it was going to happen. Trump is acquitted. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm sorry, man. It is entirely demoralizing. What do we do? You know, we, we, I've talked about culture. Winning the culture war, I understand. Making movies. You know, Ben Shapiro is doing movies. We have uh, now Gina Carano is going to be doing something with, with, with The Daily Wire. How do we deal with this? I mean, you know, I, I've been thinking about this myself because, you know, I've been mostly over the last couple of years, I've been doing like opinion and commentary and it's been, you know, it was aimed kind of towards influencing Republicans, right? Like not only, I mean, you know, defending Trump from various things that I think he was unfairly attacked, but also trying to change the Republican perspective right. on things like social media, big tech, free markets, et cetera. Now it's like we, we again, we're confronted with this banally awful administration combined with its you know, conjoined, banally awful institutions like the New York Times. Like, we need to we need to report on them. They need, you know, they, there needs to be like really good. I mean, I think you start with media because culture is, you know, politics is downstream of culture. But we also just need really good reporting on them. Um, we need and, real journalism and uh, real fearless journalism that's willing to challenge these major institutions. And it seems like off the top of my head, I, there's only one name I can think of, and it's Veritas. They just got banned from Twitter. Didn't I know. They? Right. So... They they give they they throw every smear in the book at James O'Keefe, and to me it's crazy. I certainly think James has a point of view. I certainly mm-hmm. think he's you know right leaning or conservative. I mean he speaks at like CPAC and stuff like that, right? But it doesn't matter to me. I don't I don't care what your politics are. Is what you're telling me true and important? And whenever I look at say you know Veritas's reporting, I take into consideration all framing. And the issue is James doesn't make opinion commentary like the New York Times does. Mm-hmm. He just publishes a video and says here's what they said. Now, maybe you can accuse them of taking things out of context, but why should that phase me when they do it all day, every day? At the very least, their argument is James is as bad as they are or the same as they are. There's good reporting from the Times, and I try, to, I try my best to find it. And sometimes they, they do things like this. They do it all too often. 
So what? Well, you can't trust a news outlet that's that afraid of their readers. I mean, the New York Times is terrified of their subscribers. So, like, why are we trusting anything that they're saying? You know, like, you're just telling these people what they want to hear because you're so afraid. And then this goes back to the culture war, too. Like, why are we losing the culture war? We're terrified of pissing people off. We just need to stop being afraid of pissing everybody off. That's the, it's the craziest thing to me. Like, since when are conservatives worried about offending Hollywood? Like, you're never going to be in those movies, dude. They hate your yeah, guts. They hate you. They're going <laughs> to hate you no matter what you say. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. That's a really good point. There was something I saw for, uh, about Fox News where I think it was, was it Lachlan Murdoch? Is that his name? Yeah. That's a good he said one. something like, we're going to be a center-right organization because the right way a news organization serves its audience is to, like, present them information that they, they want to hear or whatever or they agree with. Something like that. I don't know exactly what he said, but that's exactly it. We've gone from news organizations say things I don't like, but, you know, that's the news. It used to be that people trusted the news outlet, and if they heard news they didn't like, they didn't blame the news outlet for saying it. Now they do. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think all hope is lost. I think there's a reason a lot of these media companies had to turn off their comments. I think there's a reason why, you know, inst- uh, uh, apps like Telegram and Signal are doing as well as they are. And uh, just even just looking at the latest comments from the 60 Minutes Bill Gates interview, there's a lot of interesting comments, to say the least. And uh, I just looked up Eric Swalwell on Twitter. And one of the first thing that comes up is a happy Valentine's Day card with him and Fang Fang on it. <laughs> So the, the, the culture there, the, the, the resistance, the, the people informing themselves and understanding what's going on. I, I, I think that there's more of that than we realize on the perception of people being dumb and angry and stupid is something that is programmed in the algorithm to make us believe that's true. But I believe it's more rare than uh, it is visible on social media. No, I mean, you know, I'd like to push back slightly, I guess. You know, I think about, you know, I was the person who said, Trump was not going to win back in the end of November and got like the race, the tweet that was ratioed yeah. into oblivion. 20,000, 20,000 yeah. replies. Amazing. All the Trump supporters being like, you've, you've, you turn coat. And I was right. And, and <laughs> I mean, like they were all wrong. Never um, wrong. And Rub I, it in, Will. Rub yeah, it in. yeah. Well, I mean, if I can't brag here, I it's don't like that meme. Yeah. You're like, why are you booing? I'm right. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know? like, uh, but there's, but the point being that there was this whole, there was a very, very strange political and in like dynamic among people if you were any involved in conservative politics at all where you were you were walking on a tightrope mm-hmm. during in the period after the election pre-inauguration where if you even tried to do objective analysis that was even somewhat pessimistic you were getting like hammered for it i get it you know a lot of these people who are supporting trump were desperate and holding on by threads and yeah, so they needed all true. the morale they could get yeah and if a realist steps in and says guys guys it's threads man they're like, no, like, you know, they can't let go. Yeah. But it wasn't, I, I kept saying this, it wasn't just Trump trying to win by the numbers. It was Trump versus the machine. Yeah. It was an issue of, can Trump win the votes is one thing. Can Trump beat the machine through the legal process with lawyers, with public opinion, with the entire establishment against them? That was a bigger question. Yeah. yeah. And in the end, the answer was no. Yep. However, I do, I do think it's hilarious that even after they, they beat him in the election, they had to give themselves one final L. Like, they couldn't just walk away. They were like, let's try an impeachment we know won't work. Just yeah. to be losers on the way out. Give Trump the final word. 
They could have let it go. They really didn't have to. <laughs> well, do they're it. not. They're not going to let it go. Eric Swallow is calling for more investigations and more hearings. He was just talking about how God is a woman during <laughs> yes, uh, during uh, you know uh, some on? of his testimony that he was on right now. And now Nancy Pelosi is calling for for nine eleven style commission. Yeah into the January 6th insurgency. Uh, so uh, they're not going to stop talking about this at all because this is the only card that they have. A lot of Americans are asking them like, hey, you promised us a lot of stuff. Show us what you got. You're in power. You have the House. You have the Senate. You have the presidency. What can you do for the American people? And they're like, not 11 commission on Donald Trump? Can we, do you want that? <laughs> yeah, that and people are want? like, uh, no, I, I don't want that. That doesn't interest me. What can you do for me? And, this is- and the American people are asking that, and it's going to become more tumultuous as we move forward. This is what I love about what the Democrats are doing right now. There's a lot of pundits on the left that they love projecting what's going on with Democrats onto Republicans. And it's funny because the Republicans don't do anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Mitch McConnell is, he, he, what does he vote? Not guilty, but then complains Trump was guilty. It's like clearly the dude's not doing anything. Republican leadership at this point is an oxymoron. But the Democrats like to claim the Republicans don't have any real policies. That's why they're not doing anything. The Democrats have no real policies. That's why all they keep doing is saying orange man bad well after the orange man's gone. It's been a month, seriously. And now they want to do a new commission, 9-11 style commission to investigate the Capitol breach is the next step. Oh, is it? But why? Impeachment's over. What's the point? Yeah, the National Guard's still in D.C., Right. I, I mean, I was I would left. I was there briefly and I still saw they had all the fences and the barbed yeah. wire. It was the day of freezing rain. It looked absolutely miserable. Um, I think that was the day that the verdict was announced. They're still there. They've still militarized the Capitol. They're going to be there until March. Yeah. Like, like for what? I heard they're going to be there longer, actually. So I can't remember who exactly tweeted this joke, but they said something about the National Guard is it's they're now saying the National Guard will remain in D.C. until the fall. The fall of what? I'd be so pissed <laughs> if I was in the National Guard and they're like, you just need to stand out here by this barbed garage? wire fence and sleep in the parking garage. Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, not a fan. And share a bathroom, one bathroom with 5,000 yeah, other individuals. One bathroom. You know, one they're, still do, they're still doing it. Well, so I don't, I don't know if exactly right now, but I remember after, so the big controversy was they're making like 5,000 guardsmen s- s- take breaks or like sleep in a parking garage with one power outlet and two toilets. And then there was a big uproar. Oh, how dare they? And then like a week ago, they were like, yeah, they're still there. Like they never got them out. The news cycle just walked away and everyone forgot about these people. Oh. But I, I've heard from people who, who you know, who uh, friends of friends of people in the guard who say that they're they're extremely demoralized. It's I like, bet. but but I mean, I mean, think about that. Demoralization has to be sweeping across this country, just across the board. And the, the, the issue with that is, I'm sure everyone's familiar with Yuri Bezmenov. He talked about, you, you know, that sort of KGB yeah, agent. I, think, yeah. I feel like I've seen that clip on YouTube. If you uh, it's just it's yeah. sent 50 billion times to yep. us all day, every day. But he talks about demoralization and what happens when people are completely demoralized and they feel like the system doesn't work anymore. There's no justice. Nancy Pelosi doing this commission is probably the stupidest and most deranged thing I've ever heard to tell the American people at a time when the news report, I think it was Reuters, $1,400 checks will hold you over until July. Like in what world will that be what? enough for anybody? But don't worry. Don't worry. I know you're all stressed. You can't pay your rent. The moratorium on evictions is going to be ending soon. We're going to see millions of evictions, but it's okay. Nancy Pelosi has promised a 9-11 style commission on uh, several, the several hundred people who walked who stormed their way into the Capitol building. And uh, while you're sleeping outside, 
you can rest easy knowing the full details of what happened on January 6th. It won't change anything in your life. It won't change who the president is. It won't give you any food. But it's the right ideology. Hey there, hey, hey, don't don't be all negative. At least the pharma industrial complex is going to have more profits with their insulin. You know, it's not all bad. So why would they have more profits from their insulin? Uh, Because uh, of the rule that uh, Biden overturned. You know, you know what? That actually makes sense because I was going to say they were going to have less profits because once they evict the people who are diabetic and they can't have a refrigerator because they'll be living outside for their insulin, they'll die. So then how do they make up that loss of profits from the dead people? Jack the price back up. Yeah. Yeah, Cuomo style. Yeah, it's, it's not all bad. The military industrial complex is also going to be happy as NATO just announced that they're not going to be leaving Afghanistan anytime oh. soon oh, today great. as yeah, well. What a Thank the Lord. Yeah, I was <laughs> really worried. You know, uh, I've, I've long said when people, I see all these activists complaining about the military industrial complex and American empire, and I'm like, who's going to bomb the kids if we don't do it? And yeah. then when, when, when <laughs> Trump was the, the Abraham Accords bringing peace to the Middle East, uh, thank, how, thank, thank our lucky stars. How that, gauche of him, you know. I know, right? I know. right? <laughs> Praise be to Biden bringing in those drones and keeping us in Afghanistan. For what reason? I'm not entirely sure, but apparently they told us it needs to be done. Uh, So most of my life we've been in Afghanistan. Yeah. More than half of my My life. life, Yeah. Yeah. There's fathers and sons fighting alongside each other (laughs) in Afghanistan. It's the longest war in American history. And where does the money go? Where does the money go? Where does all the opium come from? The 90% of the world's opium. Where does it come from? It's it's a money toilet. Yeah. And the stories that I've heard, because I've heard from a lot of, uh, you know, soldiers that were over there, especially when it comes to, you know, we can't even talk about some of the stuff here that the soldiers caught and uh, soldiers were punished in the, the United States for exposing uh, the abuse of children in Afghanistan and trying to stop it in Afghanistan. Uh, so it's just an absolutely but look, horrible look. thing to be in, be in I, there. I understand you're hurting. And, and if this kind of stuff stresses yeah. you out, makes you angry. But did you know that Nancy Pelosi is putting together a 9-11-style <laughs> yes. commission on the people who stormed the Capitol? <laughs> Feels good, man. See, he's oh, laughing. He's laughing. Right. Yeah, good, good, yeah. good. It's the same type of... We were just talking about the New York Times and their own navel-gazing being constantly consumed by their own internal HR drama, yeah. right? Okay, Congress is now constantly internally consumed by its own... Think about, like, they spent their time trying to expel Marjorie Taylor Greene, impeaching the president, 9-11 commissions. Like, it's all self... Drama. It's all yeah, reality TV. It's, it's just all internal HR matters, Dude, basically, I, within the I'm, government, as opposed to doing things. They've I, stopped being able to perform their function. I almost want to run for office. And when people are like, what do you stand for? I just be like, I'm going to just build a shed for this one guy. Just that, that, That's it. Huh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use all of my time to go like just to local people's houses and help them with their chores. If you elect me, I will help you with your chores. Because at least then your taxpayer dollars go towards something productive. <laughs> Because I can't, I can't tell you what these people are doing. Right. I might not be there to vote on whatever stupid garbage bill they're proposing, but I assure you this, if I ever did run, I'd literally just weed your garden, put up some fences for you, walk your dog, because then you know your tax dollars are at least getting you some public service, right? I mean, how hard is it? Like, this is the easiest government program ever. Like, <laughs> just give people money. Yeah. Like, like they did it already. They know how to do it. They just write a check. They use the whatever technology they did to put the money in your bank account. Well, they even fumbled that, especially with with even the first check. Oh, yeah, there was mur- multiple trials. Yeah. There was different layers. There was different time periods where people got their checks. So the government can't even send you a check correctly. What makes you think they should <laughs> wait, run wait. your medical health care? Right. What makes you wait, wait. think that they should be in charge of anything in they your were, life? They were giving dead people money, and they were giving money to non-citizens overseas. Yeah. Like... How does it happen that some dude in a different country wakes up like, 
the American yeah. government gave me money for some <laughs> reason. Cool. We have a social security <laughs> number, all of us. It's so easy. They have the data. All they have to do is literally be like, okay, yeah, send them a check. Oh, live, dead, check. That's it. They can't even do... They can't run I'll the DMV. They can't run the post office. Mm. And guess what? All of government runs that way. Preach. Spend, spend a few days. Spend a few hours even at your local DMV and imagine... These central controllers wanting to control every aspect of your life, it would scare the bejesus out of you. That's the one thing I don't get. Like, the people who advocate for universal health care like Bernie Sanders does, do, uh, do they not remember going to the DMV once? Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, they, that's gov- there's all sorts of problems that lead to government incompetence. And, and it gets back to the point I was making earlier. There's not a good way to punish them for lying. I think perhaps, you know, there's two big disciplines on our public companies that – And our regulatory system kind of works for this, right? The first discipline is they have to make money. And the second is they have to tell the truth every three quarters or they risk – I mean, they don't always do it, but they're like under a legal obligation to and they have to file a report that's examined by, you know, stock market investors. I want public lashings. You're a politician. You lie. You have to go to the center of the city and you get lashed by a random citizen who wins the lottery. A constituent. Yeah. Is given the cat of nine tails. Yes. And then you get to (laughs) whoop the politicians in the buttocks. For, all right, for all right. Ryan. Yeah. I'll, I'll clarify though, because I they said they do that in Somalia, by the way. I said the people like Bernie Sanders, because I actually would like, I, I personally would like some kind of universal basic health care. But Bernie Sanders wants to abolish private health care. I think so long as you have that competition and you have that choice, I think we'll be okay. Mm-hmm. But I also think before you can advocate for any, before you can implement any kind of major social reform, you've got to weed out the corruption. And I think that's the biggest wall blocking legitimate social programs and social reform. I mean, if you can't even give people $2,000 checks, how on <laughs> earth are you going to do brain surgery Seriously. on them? Like, like, yeah, not, uh, government's not competent enough to do this. And that's I, the, pro- that, the, the, you know, the problem is like when the programs first start, when the government first comes in, there's somebody with a decent idea that makes sense to a lot of people. But businesses have to fight to survive. They have to make sense. A business has to be able to generate revenue and profit to hire more people and grow. And if they can't, they collapse. Mm -hmm. Government, when they just can't do it, they just send more people with guns to collect more taxes (laughs) and then pump more money into something that's not working. So that's always been my thing. I like the idea of social programs. The problem is, well, the first question is, can they ever be implemented properly? Or is the issue there needs to be an expiration date on all of them, period? I mean, you just you have to think about how you use government and trying to, like, keep whatever it's doing within its core competency. Like when I think about, for example, you know, what should big tech law look like? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm advocating a bigger governmental role in regulating Twitter and Facebook, et cetera. Well, I'm like, OK, so we want we want civil rights style litigation that allows people to go into court and pursue their rights, like essentially sue the, the companies because we have courts. They work. They, they, they know how to issue orders and get people to comply with them. Like that's a core competency of government. When you're saying, "Oh, government should literally run the healthcare system," you're way outside the government's core competency. Um, well, you know, so. we, we we talked a bit about uh, how, uh, giving out checks to people, the government's inability to do things. Well, we got another big story that I think plays into the government's abilities to do uh, ability to do things. And actually, what you guys are saying makes me a little bit more confident because we have this story. CBS News reports Biden calls on Congress to ban assault weapons and institute other gun restrictions. So as the good news there is that, as we just mentioned, they can't get giving up money right. They can't even give people money. Are they going to be able to actually how are they implement be able to do that? Yeah. Are they, how are they going to actually be able to take anybody's guns away or do anything like that? 
They seem to have no idea what they're doing. I mean, the thing they, is, they won't, and it will create more conflict, and it will create more fights, and it will create a really nasty situation inside of the United States, and it seems like some people within our government are hell-bent at fighting each other. And I think this is exactly what this particular bigger grab of authority away from the people is. You're pretty much saying that... you're not. You're not saying that guns are bad. You're just saying that... Only the special privileged people should have guns. The politicians should have guns. And I don't know why we're not making this more of a talking point, but gun control, specifically in the United States, is based off institutional racism and white supremacy. There's a long history of that. But, but hold on. And, and you would that's, think... That's, yeah. that's, that's that's not even like some haha got you talking to oh, no. not. This is actually something the left yeah. does say all the time, because people need to understand leftists and liberals are not the same thing. It's the liberal corporate Democrat types, establishment types that are like, ban all the guns. Leftists like Antifa, they're like, nah, we like our guns. They're pro 2A. They're tools of the revolution. They love that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little I guess I'm a little more optimistic on the front of what's going to happen, because I think the courts are going to shut that down. Um, You know, much of the early assault weapons ban stuff that predates D.C. versus Heller. And the big cases that the Supreme Court ruled on, which basically pro- protects the individual right to guns that are in common use. And I think that there might be no more gun that's more in common use than the AR- AR-15. It's the most commonly purchased well, so, platform but, so First, let me just say, the, the gist of the story is Biden put out this campaign statement saying we need to ban assault weapons, universal background checks. So you, what you need to understand about assault weapons is there have been – there's no definition. Yeah. Assault weapon is meaningless. Assault rifle – typically refers to select fire, selective fire rifles so they can do single burst and full auto. Those have been illegal even before they were invented because of, uh, I guess, like, was it NFA? Was that it? I don't, I'm, I'm not the smart, like, the most gun person ever. I, already, I can already see all the chat lighting up with people oh, saying, no. <laughs> I have no idea what he's talking right. about. Correct you. The point is, assault rifles are not legal. They can do full auto. Assault weapon has no unifying definition, and it makes literally no sense. In some states... Uh, like there's like a standard there's like a, uh uh in some states for instance the M1 is illegal and like for what reason is that illegal and then your standard like uh scar or whatever is legal so, so cosmetic dif- differences but i mean like something on assault the, weapon versus not totally not related to function it, it's 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 no it's like well that weapon was once used in war so it's illegal but the other one that's more modern more powerful and more efficient is totally fine it's meaningless so I, I suppose that the, the bigger picture is whether or not the government will be able to do it. And you mentioned you're a bit more optimistic on the court shutting this down. Mm-hmm. But my, my question is, it's uh, the Second Amendment. What is it? What, do, you know, do you know the text of the Second Amendment, Will? Uh, you know, the rights. Of, let's let, I'm trying not off the top of my You don't head, need to give it verbatim. But yeah, right. like something because like the a well-armed or well-regulated militia being necessary to the health of a free society, the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. What's that last part? It shall not be infringed. Before that. The right to keep and bear arms. Those two words, what were they? Keep and... Keep and bear. Bear, bear means... You know, and that's part of the Heller decision, right? Like the ability to... So I think a later one. The so why is it that in D.C., for instance, I can't legally bear arms? Um, because courts... I mean, the, the way these amendments are interpreted, they're, you know, judicial interpretation, judicial gloss, changes things. I mean, so... Manipulation and power. I mean, the the, the politicians in D.C. are like, I'll be damned if I'm going to let anyone challenge me. Pre Heller. I mean, you know, before Heller was ruled, the Ninth Circuit had already decided that the ability to keep and, you know, keep a handgun in your home was not part of the Second Amendment. 
Yeah. Right. It took Heller to reverse that and be like, no, there's an individual right to bear arms in your home. And um, that's and you know what? That's absolutely insane. Yeah. The initial language of the Second Amendment before it was called the Second Amendment, it was called like Article five or something. I can't remember which article it was. There were 17 articles proposed for the Constitution. And the first two had to do with like Congress and apportionment or something like that. But the original text literally said, basically, even if somebody doesn't want to be in a militia, they're allowed to have a gun. And they took that out. I guess I was reading they were worried it would outlaw conscription. And considering it was, you know, the birth of a new nation, they're like, nah, we need to be able to force people to fight wars for us. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and look, I'm not trying to be a dick. Like back then we had the War of 1812. You know, we had the British kidnapping people. Well, it, we were, we were you weak. Know, I right. mean, people forget how weak we yeah, were. We're, like, yeah. Britain won the War of 1812 and then made a nice peace with us because they were more worried about Napoleon. But you know you like, know, what I love? I, I, I was reading, right, I was reading about it, how it's one of the few wars where everyone declared victory, <laughs> and the only loser was the was the Native Americans who were caught in the crossfire. I mean, you know, Madison sent our troops up into, like, Canada, and then right. Britain showed up Montreal. and was like, oh, look, you left your capital unoccupied. I guess we'll burn it to the ground. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> like, and yep. I mean, we were we were losing badly because they were a massive naval power. We were very, very weak. And again, I mean, right. again, the only reason they just they just got annoyed by it. They're like, OK, Napoleon's conquering all of Europe right now. That's a little more important than what those colonies are doing. Yeah, so we that, almost we almost took uh, Montreal. The U.S. <laughs> tried to take Montreal, uh, you know, and Darn. so it's, it's entirely possible that would have been in America. But so the, the initial uh, uh, proposal for the Second Amendment actually was longer. And it basically said. In the event even somebody does not want to join a militia, they can still have that weapon. They took it out. And then that leaves us today where you have these people who are arguing like it says a well-regulated militia. First of all, which definition, which definition of regulated are they saying? Regulated in the term, in, in, in the sense of armed and efficient, like well-regulated in the sense that everyone's got a weapon or regulated in the sense that the government controls what they do. It's a modern interpretation off of what they may have actually It's also meant. just bad grammar, right? Like the, the first, <laughs> like, it, like you, people should know how to read an English sentence. The, the first phrase, a prefatory phrase is like, here is one reason why we're going to enact this rule, right? A well-regulated militia being necessary to the health of a free state. It's like, that's one reason we're, or the right. reason that we're going to do this. And then we say the rule, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. You know. so, so that's that's the big issue. Joe Biden says he wants to do this. We've got uh, we got the story from Michigan Live, how riots, politics and a pandemic drove record gun sales in Michigan from February 13th. But this is just one story I just pulled up. I mean, we've had record sales, record background checks for the past year because of the riots, the pandemic and, and politics. So now now we're hearing from Joe Biden. He wants to start banning assault weapons. But by their definition, that's like. In some, it, it, this is the craziest thing. You, some one weapon you can buy in, say, you know, New York. You can't even bring to New Jersey. You could live in Philadelphia, literally on the water. You cross over to the other side with a totally legal weapon. Now it's an assault weapon. Definition changes outright. So the first thing I have to, I, I suppose, they'd have to do is define what an assault weapon was. And I'll tell you the scary thing is there was an attempt several years ago to define any semi-automatic weapon as an assault weapon, which meant literally the handgun a cop uses. Mm-hmm. So I went down to March for Our Lives, this big, the big protest, this was, I think in 2017 or 18, and I was asking people, and I wasn't trying to do this gotcha stuff that you'll often see on YouTube where they're like, you're so dumb, explain it, you know, like Jimmy Kimmel does it or whatever. I saw people holding signs saying ban assault rifles. And so I would ask them, like, are you aware that they're already banned? And then they would go, oh, and they would like pull their sign down and fold it up and then hide it. Like, oh, I guess you didn't realize. I, I wasn't trying to get you. And then I would ask some people. Very simply, I had the bill pulled up that was proposed that would make like your, a Glock 17 illegal as an assault weapon. It would literally define the handgun as an assault weapon, one of the most common weapons in the country. And so I would ask people, 
Do you think assault weapons should be banned? Yes. Do you think that includes, say, semi-automatic handguns? And they'll go, no, of course not. What about like, you know, a Glock 17 or something like a, like a cop would use or a Glock 19? And they would be like, no, 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 no. That's that, we, we just mean high-powered rifles where you can get off like 30 rounds in a few minutes. And then I would show them the bill, you know, from like GovTrack. And I'd be like, here's the current bill. Do you agree with what the Democrats are proposing? And they would go, oh, no, no, I absolutely do not agree with that. And I'd be like, I mean, maybe it's important that, you know, all these millions of people coming out here know that. I mean, you, you, you'd come out here and a lot of people were shocked. They didn't realize just how serious it was that there have been proposals even to get rid of semi-automatic. You see, I don't know if you guys remember that, uh, what was it, CNN or whatever, where they, they said fully semi-automatic. What? <laughs> right. It's, it's a, yeah, like they don't even know what they're talking about. And so there's a lot of people who think semi-automatic means you hold the trigger down and, brrr, and you know, full, the full auto. It's not. It's, it's, it's remarkable how, uh, so I, I recently, I, I, I guess you're not supposed to say what kind of weapons you have. But look, it's probably fine if I mention this one I just got, right? You think it's okay? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what? The the big one? The, no, the no, one no, no, no. Well, no, the hunting one. Okay. I'll just yeah. say, so I, I, got, uh, I got a bolt action uh, 450 Bushmaster Ruger. And uh, uh, when I was buying it, they were just basically saying to me, like, you should have no problems with this bolt action. It's great. It's uh, excellent for hunting. You know, it's, it was designed for, for, for you know, for, for deer and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. In the event, we do want to go hunting or something like that. And we want to go out with somebody. And then I asked them, I was like, why is it that they regulate the, the, you know, the AR-15s, but this thing is like just not even on the books and they're, you know, well, because they have no idea what they're talking about. And I had several people tell me that less moving parts on the, 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 the bolt action, uh, the bolt action 450, these are, these are, you know, decently large rounds. They're more accurate at longer distances. They're potentially more dangerous from somebody who wants to cause harm. But because these politicians have no idea what they're talking about, they think the scary black looking rifle is a military weapon. It's got to be banned. Meanwhile, this hun- hunting rifle, which is actually more deadly and more accurate, they're like, oh, that's fine. That's that's what. We, well, you know what? I think the, the better way to put it is I can talk all about this stuff as I'm discovering it and exploring it as I go to the gun shop and I'm buying these things. And a lot of the people who own guns are, are sitting there laughing, banging like, oh, he's a, they're laughing like, oh, young Tim, finally learning what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the funny thing about it. It's also a wake-up call to, it's, it's kind of like the Gelman amnesia effect. Mm-hmm. For those that aren't familiar, the, the idea of the Gelman amnesia effect is when you read a news article about something you're familiar with. So let's say you're a, a, gun, a, a gun owner, and you read a story saying assault weapons will be banned, and then they make reference to things that don't exist, and they, 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 they get assault weapon wrong, and they define words. You laugh like, these journalists have no idea. They say fully semi-automatic. They're so dumb. You turn the page. And then it's like conflict in Syria, 50 dead. And you go, wow, I didn't know that. The idea is you all of a sudden forgot how incompetent these journalists were. I suppose there's another effect I would like in this too is people believe in government until they realize there's an area of government they're familiar with and how awful it's being controlled and regulated. So as soon as you start getting into like buying guns and going to class, which a lot of people are doing, all of a sudden you go, if they're doing this really bad, what other regulations do we have that are just as bad? If they don't know what an assault weapon is and can't define it, how are they handling medicine? So this is super funny to me because the lady who sold me my personal weapon of choice um, in a different state was like, well, the state that you live in does not like this gun because it looks scary. And that kind of struck me as strange because I was like, the people who are actually regulating the things that we can and can't buy, this literal right that we have that's in the Constitution – they have no idea what they're talking about. They know nothing about what they're saying. And they think that they have a right to like tell us what we can and can't do. It's in the Constitution. I'm sorry. You may not like it. Well, but- 
another thing to really consider here is is this this is a very unpopular move by Biden. People have been buying guns in record numbers, even in big cities, even a lot of people Liberals. on the left. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people on the left have been buying firearms, and I, I truly believe this is done in an effort to push for more chaos. Order out of chaos is usually the big kind of agenda that you see from a lot of these politicians that try to stir up a whole bunch of problems and then come in with the larger solution. At all costs, we need to prevent violence from happening. And uh, the people in Brazil are, are having the opposite problem. As I'm learning right now, I'm reading an article that's talking about how Bolsonaro in Brazil is trying to make it easier for citizens to get guns more easily. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the, 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 yes. the, the, the Guardian has a propaganda article article about this and it's titled anger as bolsonaro moves to make guns easier to access a threat to democracy Terrifying. Uh, people need to understand when, when you're armed with a firearm this is what politicians are protected by so if the politicians could have protections why can't the average citizen be able to protect themselves and their properties so when it comes to criminals like in mexico or let's say chicago places where guns are illegal criminals still magically get guns and firearms we got we got to talk but, about this story all right, we got the story from Reason. This gun shop says it won't do business with Biden voters. Yeah, in Missouri? No, in Michigan. Oh. Tech companies should have the same freedom to choose their customers. So this is a Michigan-based ammunition shop is refusing to sell to any co customer who voted for President Joe Biden in the 2020 election. Quote, we've had a few potential customers call this morning to ask why they have to check a box stating they did not vote for Joe Biden <laughs> in order to purchase our ammunition. Phoenix Ammunition yes. tweeted yesterday morning. The answer? Joe Biden ran on a campaign built on the most radical gun control platform a major party candidate has ever had, including banning the online sale of ammunition. This, says Phoenix, is essentially a plan to bankrupt our company. That's true. I couldn't believe it when I read that. Joe Biden said, we will ban the online sale of ammo. Why? Like, what's seriously the problem there? Yep. That, that, that's crazy. They're just, they're just, their whole plan is like, we're going to throw as much sand in the gears of gun ownership. Yep. As we can. For what reason? But but also, you have to look at strategically here. This is against the best interest of the United States national security. One of the things that makes America strong is its armed citizenry. When you take away the arms, geopolitically, we, we become weaker on the world stage. Well, I mean, like... What, since when has like what's good for the American people stopped Democrat ideology <laughs> I mean, from working? <laughs> well, like, political I mean, well, ideology. Well, like, I would say political ideology. Well, like, and, and, and I want to be fair too. Republican get, gets excluded from that because Republicans mostly do nothing. Yeah, right. Well, what did know, Trump do for the Second Amendment? I mean, nothing. Well, no, he did worse. He did yeah, bad for it. Yeah, uh, banning bumps. I mean, the, really, the big proposition, you know, the value proposition of Republican governance is that they won't do more bad things. Not right. that they'll do good things to improve your life, but, <laughs> right. but they'll just they'll just they'll, avoid doing the bad things. But when it comes to Trump and, and, the, uh, and the bump stock ban, he went further than Democrats would have even wished. Democrats usually uh, grandfather in people and their firearms and their accessories. Donald Trump made Americans felons overnight with the signing of a pen, something that, of course, Democrats weren't able to do. Trump did. I want, I want to read more of this. So uh, there's, there's another quote. They say... Uh, in a series of follow-up tweets, the company stressed that it was perfectly willing to give up potential sales to people who voted for Biden. We're dead serious, Phoenix Ammunition tweeted. We don't want your money, and you shouldn't want us to have it because we're going to use it to make more ammo, sell it to the citizenry, and do everything in our power to prevent Joe Biden's administration from usurping the rights of Americans. We have no problem talking to Biden voters and educating them on what they did, but they have to be willing to acknowledge their ignorance at the very least. We are not going to sit here and debate with you. 
We're a 2A company, and these are our first principles. Phoenix Ammunition's announcement has provoked a wave of positive attention from the right. Many are applauding the company for sticking up for its beliefs and declining to do business with people it sees as a threat to its business model. I love this. Quote, private company tweeted perennial MAGA gadfly Jack Posobiec. <laughs> the, implication, <laughs> the implication being that because Phoenix is private, it can do it at once. He's right, of course. Phoenix is perfectly within its rights to reject customers who voted for Biden or for any other reason related to a person's politics. Not in D.C., by the way. In D.C., politics, political ideology is a human right. And then they go on to say, I love this. And so is Twitter and YouTube and Facebook and Reddit and so on. Yet when it comes to these private companies rejecting customers based on their ideological beliefs and political statements, Basobic and many, many others on the right have been whining and objecting nonstop. They insist it violates their rights somehow. They champion proposals to force these private actors to carry speech they disagree with and cater to customer bases they find objectionable. They support federal action to punish private businesses for not being politically neutral. So which is it? Who, who when wrote pro- this and why are they simping? Is it Robbie? No, it's Elizabeth <laughs> Nolan Brown. It's Reason. Okay, Come on. It's, it's yeah. Reason. Yeah. Right. Libertarians. Yeah. So they're like, ba- they don't get that it's like Jack's joking, right? I mean, right, if, right. If you, if you actually <laughs> go to Jack and you say, here's the deal. We can regulate private companies and prevent them from discriminating against you politically on Facebook and Twitter. But here's what you have to give up. You're the random gun shop in Michigan also has to serve Biden voters. He'd be like, uh, yeah, I'll take the regulation. Right, please. right, Thank right, you. right. You know, he's clearly joking, saying private company is poking fun at all of the people. This is really funny where libertarians break from a lot of conservatives and, you know, one one of these issues. And they're more aligned with liberals on this one that. So, well, actually, let me just say somehow that happened. When did when did pro corporate libertarians, you know, I shouldn't say pro corporate, but pro private right for companies break from conservatives on the issue and join the liberals? Well, it's more like the liberals were always for, for the regulations. You know, the liberals realized both the liberals and conservatives actually hold political power at times. The libertarians don't. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so that that's kind of where you start. Um, and so liberals realized that it assisted them in their attempts to hold and wield political power if they were going to indulge the right of corporations to censor their ideological adversaries. And so liberals who under in any other context would never talk about how private companies can do whatever they want. Uh, are suddenly saying, oh, actually, you know, Facebook and Twitter are uniquely in the position where they should be given full autonomy. Um, whereas conservatives are, you know, like me, are also, you know, generally being like, no, generally the free market's a good idea, but I'm sorry, I don't like being discriminated against. Right. That's the difference between absolute, like, bottom of the spectrum libertarianism of, you know, free for all essentially and. Well, we need some government, we need some regulations. You know well, I mean? I'd, I'd love to hear a libertarian explain why if, you know, given this position that they have of like, oh, you should never interfere with a private company's right to do what they want, um, how they, whether or not they could oppose in the 1964 Civil Rights Act and support the repeal of that law. They you know, do I mean, support the repeal of it. Some do, but like right. mo- many don't, or and many certainly aren't willing to talk about it. I mean, I actually did a debate. Like Joe Jorgensen. Yeah, I, I did a debate with Robbie Suave on this, and he just dissembled horribly on it. I love Robbie, but like he he had a rough time when you know he was talking about the right of Facebook and Twitter to censor people. I'm like, okay, it's so like, do you you know oppose the 1964 Civil Rights Act? He's like, well, yeah, I do. I'm like, okay, so you're for you know hotels and restaurants discriminating, being able to discriminate against black people? He's like, well, you know, I don't, it's just this is the craziest thing to me because I've never moved on this position. Like I've always been in this like this was this was the center left. Pro-regulation when corporations were interfering with the rights of individuals becoming too powerful. That's when the people band together and say, you have too much power and it's causing us harm. So, you know, interestingly, like this is where, you know, the libertarians were educated. Like, I feel like I was educated in this way that was saying, like, actually, you know, you know, 
really the problem was government and you know all those civil rights they would have been protected and and the issue was government intervention and Goldwater was right the Civil Rights Act went too far and then you know I look back at that you know ten or twelve years ago Will and I'm like that was dumb why did I believe that 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 was clearly <laughs> like historically wrong and just very very ideological well do you know do you know the story behind how like uh, uh, I, th- I this is one of the stories of how we we saw the end of segregation was I think it was Lyndon Johnson. He had some black men who worked for him, and he asked them. I to, told you the story. You yeah. told me the story. There you yeah. go. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, what, did you write this up for Human Events? Yeah, I wrote this up. That, Tell the story, man. Because it's a brilliant story. So, I mean, this is in uh, Robert Caro's biography, right? But so Lyndon Johnson had these, uh, you know, had black employees, and a couple of them he had drive his car all the way back to Texas from D.C. every year, and um, there usually wasn't a big deal. But one year he wanted them to take his their his dog back with him, and they were like, "Please don't make us do that." And Linda's like, why? Like, what's the big deal? You have a dog in the car. Who cares? And he's like, do you understand what it's like to drive through the Jim Crow South with a car? Like, we have to drive, you know, 40 miles off the main drag just to find a place, a hotel or a restaurant. Like, and then, and many times we just have to sleep in the car. uh, And we have to do that now with a dog, too. Are you kidding? And it was sort of that moment that was just crystallized. Like, wait, we don't have to let that happen. Like, we could, you know, whatever's going on in the South, we don't have to tolerate people not being able to go to a motel or a restaurant on the road and having to go. We just don't have to tolerate that. We can say that that's illegal now. Um, and to me, that's just really powerful of, you know, you can come up with all these, you know, rationalizations and hypotheticals about what would have happened in the absence of some early horrible government intervention and every bad thing is the fruit of that early government intervention like libertarians I try to argue you know I, I hear a lot from libertarians that oh eventually these businesses would have failed and their competition would have succeeded but i think the key word is eventually like how long would that take maybe, and, but, and, and i think maybe is the right word but here's another here's another point like put yourself in the position of a, a restaurateur or a motel owner in the jim crow south just on some random you know stretch of highway are you making money hand over fist in the 1960s? No, you're not, right? You're a restaurateur in the Jim Crow South in the 1960s. So in, you know, in the abstract, like if some black person came in, even, even if you had like maybe where someone inclined to racism, you might say like, well, we need the money. So we're perfectly happy to serve you. But the problem was there was this private, like the problem was like this widespread racist disgust among the customer base. And so, you know, if, there were so many white customers who were racist and would not stay in a motel that that was integrated. And so that private consumer demand for discrimination was sustaining the racism. And there's no, there was no, you know, that would have continued. The libertarians are wrong. That would have just continued right. on. Right. Um, and I think, I mean, think about all how the private, this private discrimination is being used now. I mean, it's again, not the same quality, much worse to be racist, but we see how progressives act today, how they try and use collective pressure to exclude conservatives from public life. Like, well, the, we, uh, how, how does the market solve that? A really good example that there is a problem of ideology is Gina Carano mm-hmm. posts a tweet. Disney fires her. Lucasfilm fires her. So when an individual employee, her as the star of the show, The Mandalorian, says something political, the company says, oh, we can't allow that. That's offensive. You're fired. You then have the story of this uh, uh, this uh, restaurant where one employee wanted to wear a Black Lives Matter mask. And the business said basically the same thing Disney did. You can't have that. You can't wear it. Sorry. So the activists got the business shut down. It doesn't matter if you're the employer or the employee. When you oppose the cult, they come after you. 
That's what I think is funny about this gun shop story is that you have one gun shop who's saying we don't want to do business with Biden voters. Well, how many businesses have turned around and said we don't want to do any business with Trump supporters? Like exactly. Maybe not huge corporations aren't publicly saying that, but I've seen small businesses on Instagram and Facebook posting and saying, if you're a Trump supporter, we don't want your money. That's like, the funny. There was that. Remember that video where the vape shop guy is screaming at the top of his lungs because guy's wearing a MAGA hat. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, it's one thing when Phoenix Ammunition is like, you know, uh, hello there, good sir, a Biden voter. I'm sorry, take your business elsewhere. It's another thing when a guy walks with a MAGA hat and the vape store guy goes. You're screaming as loud as you can. It's so mundane. Discriminate. That's where discrimination conservatives against conservatives is so mundane that we don't even talk about it. It's not even news. Right. It's news when a conservative business discriminates against liberals, not the reverse. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was meme worthy when the guy was screaming, "Get him back there!" And the guy's like, "I'm wearing a hat, bro. What's wrong with you?" So does this prove that the government intervention didn't work? In into in in now in our current modern day circumstances. Well, no. I mean, there is no government prohibition on political discrimination, right? But there is a government prohibition on racial discrimination. And I think, honestly, when you're looking for things like government policies that worked that ultimately achieved their objective, I think the Civil Rights Act of 1964, you can fairly say achieved its objective. I think it it accelerated, um, you know, it massively accelerated integration in the Jim Crow South and um, Here's, radically transformed. Here, do you the think we're regressing, especially with some? I, I I forgot what this picture was from, but there was a mandatory meeting. Uh, people of color had to go in one place. People, in Seattle. Uh, white people had to go. Yeah, there was in oh, Seattle. Yeah. Seattle I saw this. Thing. Do you think we're regressing back into that? Sure, I think we are. Um, but that I think that particular type is, of discrimination is definitely vulnerable to lawsuits. Um, I think. And Chris Rufo, I don't know if you've had him on. Yeah. Yet. No. Oh yeah. Okay, so Chris Rufo is awesome, and I think he's. Whenever the left tries to go so far and actually do does wants to do racial discrimination on its own, it's vulnerable to having the Civil Rights Act brought in to wield against it. The political discrimination problem, on the other hand, like we don't currently have the law. We kind of need, except in maybe a few jurisdictions, I think California and D.C. have some political discrimination protections. But in general, I think like that's that's got to be a project of the right to say, look, the free market is not going to save us. It, it, and, and I think it's it's, it's, it's yeah, it's, bro, just, the, it's the not Republic, a free market. The, the prob- Republicans yeah. are not going to do that. Mitch McConnell, you know, you know, he's his professional, uh, you know, I give him a catchphrase. Slow down there, Democrats. That's it. That's what he does. I mean, he he might not do it, but he's old and he may not be in office too much longer. And I think about I'm more optimistic on this front because, you know, two years ago I was saying platform access is a civil right and people were calling me crazy. Like they're calling leftist. you a commie. They're calling me a le- like Michael Malice did that. You know, I he actually called you a commie. He, you know, he, he's, he didn't call me a commie, but he's like, you're coming from leftists background. And, you know, I basically, you know, I, I did redid his podcast and it's just everybody sort of come around to where I was two years ago in this radical position. I had a conversation with a libertarian in Milwaukee at the Mythicist event. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't I wasn't there to be at the event. I ended up did doing uh, and I ended up on a panel because someone wasn't able to make it. But I was I was in the green room and there was a bunch of us sitting around talking to this libertarian. And I said, we need regulation of big tech companies in some capacity, be it the, the ensuring of the freedom, freedom of speech because they've, they've taken the commons or some kind of regulation that says we need to like reform of Section 230. And he said, I don't, I don't believe you have a right to tell a private institution what they're allowed to do. And I was like, dude, I've heard the argument. I don't care. If you want to sit back while your ideas are completely erased from the public space, by all means do it because they ain't my ideas. I'm not a libertarian. I'm actually in favor of regulation. And that's what I'm arguing for. So in five years, when you when your political ideology is gone and doesn't exist, 
Who's gonna Who's gonna argue for you? Well, but, but also, I think we need to make a distinction between private business and also monopolies that control information highways, and also monopolies specifically that are connected to governments in many different ways. So I think there's a difference between the the you know the the cake owner versus Twitter, Facebook. YouTube, oh yeah, Google. no, I you know I, I randomly get questions from people who say things like, "Well, if you if you think you should regulate Twitter, why how could you possibly oppose regulating the cake owner?" I don't. I'm like. I well, from my my answer to that is, I mean, I think that that's a perfectly consistent position to think you should regulate both. Yeah, right. But I think that it's okay for society to impose larger burdens on billion dollar companies than on small entrepreneurs. Yep. That's right. Like it already does that. We do that in insurance. We do that in common carrier. I mean, there's so many different areas of law that treat. Think Obamacare even. Right. Small businesses are treated very differently than larger businesses. So that, that's one of my first arguments in that. When a when a corporation grows large enough to cause damage to the public, we then come in with regulations. One bakery saying I refuse one thing or another is not causing massive damage to the entirety of the, the area. However, in the in the in my actual position mm-hmm. is, look, when it comes to the bakery, what people need to understand and most people who watch this will probably do. They didn't deny service. They denied a custom message. So the baker basically said you could have any cake. That we or or we can custom make one for you, but we won't write that. And so they sued over it. My position is I know a lot of people don't like taxes. Libertarians don't like taxes. Taxation taxation is theft. For the time being, if I'm paying taxes to sustain a common area, common infrastructure, pipes, sidewalks, police, fire department, EMS, all of that stuff, and you are using that infrastructure to support your business. That means we are all contributing to the betterment of your business. I believe you have an you have an obligation to reasonably service the public. If someone comes in and is committing crimes, screaming, disruptive, disorderly, threatening, all that stuff, by all means, we, we kick them out because that's you know an affront to everyone in the public. But if we're all contributing to the space to work, to work and live together, and I come into your shop. I understand the argument about the free speech and being forced to write something. And that's a good argument. So I'm, I'm kind of on the fence on that one. But overall, I think businesses should provide a, a you know, equal accommodation to the members of the public. And I, I think that's a clo- much closer question than the question of whether or not it's just to regulate Twitter, which I think right. is very one sided in favor of, yes, it's perfectly just to regulate them. I mean, they're a multi-billion dollar co- company that's monopolized a large section of this public square. And that people's first and right now people's first amendment rights aren't really that meaningful. I mean, think about how much just, you know, we've Donald Trump has been banned from Twitter for six weeks. Think about how much the volume has been turned down on him from losing his Twitter account. Yeah. Well, it's not just Twitter. I mean, you can go walk down the street and have a different baker bake a cake. But, you know what? You could go to parlor. Not anymore. I mean, I guess now they (laughs) came back, but. Before but you could go to Parlor, yeah. and then Parlor got shut there, down. And yeah, there's a big difference between private space and, and government monopolies. That's the but, thing that yeah. we need to really, really, uh, you know, beat into people's heads. The, the, the one of the ways I put it when it comes to social media and why regulation is important is you. So, like you said, you can go to one bake, baker and he says no. So you walk down the street to another baker, he says yes. There's market competition. You can probably find something, even if Parlor exists. Twitter is basically the L.A. Coliseum football stadium. The president is in the middle of the field yelling all of his ideas to the people and they kick you out and you can walk a few miles away to a small soccer field at a high school where the local principal is giving his ideas. So do you have meaningful access to the president and politicians who are verified using this platform in mass that 
Twitter actually gives the like will put the position they have as a politician in their under their name. They recognize politicians aren't using a bunch of these other platforms. So the problem I see is, sure, there may be some competition. There may be parlor. There may be mines. Trump doesn't use any of them. So are you going to be able to hear the president speak? Imagine if when television was invented or radio, when if the president was going to, was going to give an address, they showed up to your house and said, you can't have the radio on to hear the president. And they came in and turned it off on you. I yeah. mean, people you don't have need, access to CBS or NBC anymore. You can't yeah, watch those. Networks. We, we are, we're, they, they, they put a giant metal dome over your house. You can't get any radio waves. We've banned you from collecting this information. It's crazy to me that they restrict you from even hearing. Maybe the answer is to ban people from posting, but not from following. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, you can make the argument they already do that because you can always like lurk on even if you've been banned from Twitter, you can lurk and read. Posts. Why? Why ban you from subscribing to the president's posts because you said something instead of banning your right to say something? Well, what they did to Trump is like they kicked him out of the Coliseum and then burned the soccer field down. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's banned from Spotify. Yep. Yeah. Like, well, what is he going to do? Why? Like, listen to too much music? Like, I don't, yeah. it does, he's banned from Pinterest. What is he going to do? Plan a wedding? <laughs> right. Like, it doesn't make don't any sense. I love when like yeah. Twitch banned him. Yeah, like, oh, no, the president's going to play Minecraft and, and espouses ideology to kids who are God, building. If Twitch were smart, they would have just allowed the president on and, like, massively built up their platform. That would have been great, yeah. <laughs> you know. Donald Trump playing Minecraft. Mm -hmm. What is this green guy doing? Why is he constantly <laughs> trying to get me? I don't understand. That would have been hilarious. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I can, uh, I pulled up a meme, but I, I, don't, I guess there's no, really re there's no real reason to show it now. I guess we should just jump. Well, I want to show it anyway. We're going to show, show the meme anyway. Yes. So when we were talking about libertarians and regulation, it's the uh, libertarian ideas and libertarian candidates meme. You guys know this one? Oh, yeah. There's, y have you ever seen it? No. It's this very beautiful and gorgeous fox so and it says libertarian fox. ideas. <laughs> and then the next one is this scraggly looking all messed up Muppet. It says libertarian candidates. I know. Attached to their meat. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's funny, but the reason I want to pull it up is because we're actually talking about bad libertarian ideals. Ideas. Yeah, no, I'm 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 someone who used to be on the bleeding edge of libertarianism. I worked for the Seasteading Institute. I don't oh. know if you're familiar with that, huh. but we were, the idea was to build private islands that were private mm -hmm. areas oh, cool. of sovereignty to create competition. <laughs> There's some competition. Fun, funny videos of libertarian will. That yeah, they're out there. You can find <laughs> can them. Can we pull some of them up? You can find them. I mean, was, and, and then correct me if I'm wrong. The idea is to live outside of any government jurisdiction and you make your own government at sea. Right, like, and that the idea that just having seasteading, having yeah. an environment where they can compete and people can move around between sovereignties very easily without the law, would, you know, would would also just put competitive pressure on existing sovereigns to behave better. Right, yep. that was the idea. Uh, it doesn't work. <laughs> it turns out, uh, I don't. I don't think the precept works because there's no meaningful way to evade the sovereignty of major nations. Right, like you well, can't just you can't just have a drug den offshore in the United States. <laughs> And expect the federal government. You just government have to have the CIA well, run on. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, what, what, Stiltsville. You know Stiltsville in was, Florida? No, I don't know that. So uh, off, the, off the coast of Florida, it's actually not very deep. It's mm -hmm. like you can walk very, very far out. And so, or, you know, sort of walk. You actually, when you go out south of, uh, southeast of Miami, you have to be very careful when you're boating because you could, you could crash into rocks. Like it's, the water's not very, you know, deep. But uh, Stiltsville was where they built a bunch of buildings on stilts and were gambling and partying and drinking offshore from Miami because, you know, there you go. You want to you gamble? Find a place to do it. It's in the water. Yeah. I mean, there's... It, I thought there, this was America. Well, That's right. Huh? <laughs> right? It's done ultimately with the tacit permission of the federal government. This, right? is, this is funny. When, when people say this is America, they think it's the land of the free. We were substantially less free, like, what, 100 years ago in a lot of ways. 
Uh, what uh, you you probably know this better than better than I do, Will. But uh, I believe our modern interpretation of free speech is fairly recent, like 1960. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's definitely been dramatically expanded. Although, I mean, there was there was definitely there was still a lot of protection for it. Even in, I mean, there was there were some prosecutions that were really aggressive, like of the anarchists, I think, and and Abraham know, Lincoln as well when he right. went after people for journalists. Well, I mean, you know, during the Civil War, we did a, a yeah. lot of things that weren't exactly pro liberty. Uh, yeah. You know, that's that's said, crazy. The Constitution became meaningless. Well, you people know? I mean, died for their a, speech in, like, during the Civil War. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about the logistics of it. Like, we, you don't really think about it, but the entire North and the entire South were fighting, and the opposing capitals were two hours away by car. Right. 100, 100 miles <laughs> yeah. away. And and so as a result, like Washington, D.C. was very vulnerable. Right. Like yeah. it's surrounded by slave state Virginia and then slave friendly Maryland. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Like, you know, there were I think there were Maryland's a slave state. So it's surrounded by slave states. Um, they were worried about their railroad connection yep. being severed. Uh, so, you know. Abraham Lincoln was like, nah, not that constitution. Yeah, so there was, there was like, I mean, they're like, we're in a war. You're rising up against us. We're not going to commit suicide. Yeah. Uh, so you can, I mean, you can say a lot of things that, I mean, the, you know, but Lincoln, the tyrant, I know there's, there's some weird like von Mises Institute stuff from like, that's like Lincoln was actually a tyrant during the war. I'm like, he was, he was in a civil war that was not obvious he was going to win, especially at the outset. Um, they kept losing battles. They had a giant mob of tens of thousands of rebel soldiers as far north as, you know, as far, you know, they got to Bull Run, which is Gettysburg, mm-hmm. Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Man, that's like super far north. Of right. That's crazy. And I mean. They ultimately lost and they probably, I mean, as, but the, you know, there were times in, you know, their strategy, you know, Stonewall Jackson, they wanted to attack Philadelphia. They wanted to attack yeah. Peace Coast. This, this is the crazy thing too about, you know, when you, when you look at what Lincoln did, I'm pretty sure we're all kind of grateful he did it, but it's kind of scary at the same, at the same time. Yeah. You know, I suspension mean, of what habeas corpus, right? Just yeah. Arresting journalists. I mean, it was, it was the 1860s. It was a war. The federal government was so much weaker as a general matter. I mean, you know, one of the, this is also one of the things I don't like when people talk about like, oh, we should have a revolution of civil war. Like one civil war killed 5% of the American population hmm. is one of the worst things that ever happened to our country. One of the bloodiest and, wars in history. Yeah, right? Like just in terms of the number of people who died. Um, and second, uh, our federal government is so much stronger now than it was then. I mean, the, the Southern armies literally, they just, they marched, no, sorry, Southern forces just marched into federal armies and took the guns. And yeah. Weapons. That would never happen now. There's no way like any state militia would be able to summon the. Well, but but the the issue is any modern civil war would be an actual civil war. The United States was was particularly unique in its in its, you know, earlier stages in that it was a bunch of states that viewed themselves as, you know, fairly equal to the federal government and, you know, in some to some degree or at least protecting of their own rights. When you look at some other countries that went through civil war, notably like Spain. It was just different areas adopting the ideology and taking a side. So what we would actually see in the event the U.S. did go to civil war is like when John Podesta had that war game where he said, if Trump wins, the West Coast secedes. It's not going to be like a federal armory and then the National Guard of Washington goes in. It's going to be the federal base is in Washington and it's part of the state. I don't think, I mean, but my point is, I guess, I don't think it'll be that easy for whatever side wants to rebel. I just don't. I think the federal... the federal government of the United States is still, even with all its confusion and incompetence, but, is the most powerful institution. But it's exists. it's not going to be one faction against the federal government. It's going to be the federal government split in half. Yeah. See, I, that, my, I guess my point is, I don't think that can really happen. Uh, it like that. There's federal control is consolidated, so it's literally like, what side does the army take? Well, there's states well, well, like Texas that have a lot of National Guard troops located inside of them that are openly talking about secession. So. Sure, but I think I mean th- that's that, that ultimately would end up being like guerrilla warfare. Like you could see like guerrilla well, revolutionary type insurgency, stuff. Yeah. insurgency. But I don't think you could see. 
I don't think you could see anything resembling where you had like two, you know, the civil war was two armies, right? Walk, you know, of tens of thousands of people showing up public and shooting at each other. But, but look, um, so, so, but stop, like, don't think about it in terms of what America did in their civil war. Cause it was very unique in terms of global civil war. Mm. Back then it was a bunch of different state with states with state identities. Sure. Today we're the United States. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's, it's that, it's that, that line from national treasure, one of the most brilliant quotes, a famous, famous man. What, what, what's, what's the character's name? Tom Gates or whatever from, I don't know, Nicholas Cage's character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He said, before the Civil War, people would say the United States uh, are. After the Civil War, they, they would say the United States is. It stopped mm-hmm. being plural. It, the United States became the name of a single nation mm-hmm. as opposed to a reference to different states. Yeah. I don't know if that's actually true. It was just from a movie. But the general idea, I think, it, 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 to, to make, you know, to, to fit into this analogy is, Right now, we are one country. The states' uh, rights are relatively meaningless compared to what the United States is. People don't vote vote in local elections. I mean, yeah. they do, but most people don't even know who their congressperson is or who their senator is or who their state senator is or who their mayor even is. Isn't that crazy? A lot of not yeah. I wouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people probably have no idea who their mayor is or who their sheriff is. Yeah. So, but I'll tell you this. They they probably know who like Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi or at least heard of them. Federal level politicians have basically replaced local level politicians because we're becoming one country. So you look at you, the concern, I suppose, and, and it's reflected in the decisions being made in D.C. Mm-hmm. Why are they vetting the National Guard? Because they're scared that there are certain groups that are aligned with the Trumpism faction. They actually do fear that federal military forces might actually split. Or there could be like the, the way it happens isn't like one day a bunch of people in the army or Marines or whatever say we hereby declare ourselves for Trump nation. What happens is confidence breaks. People don't have faith in the system from mass demoralization. They reject orders or are ordered. to So they're ordered to do something they don't want to do. Maybe there's a bunch of uh, maybe there's a town in middle America. And they're refusing this draconian lockdown, saying we refuse, our people are suffering, and then certain military are ordered to do something they don't want to do, and that cause a fra- causes a fracture. The Civil War took place over a, a decently long period of time. People, people look at history, and they, they view it in a condensed matter, like all of a sudden it just happened. I think, what was it, like 20 years of strife, conflict, back and forth in government, until finally one congressperson caned the other guy, and then ultimately it led to, I think, seven states seceded. And still, at, we didn't have a civil war. It was only after the secession already happened, then Fort Sumter, when the mm-hmm. Union refused to bring their troops out, after that happened, more states then broke away and it caused a rapid collapse. So in the event something does happen, I think people need to, for one, don't think it needs to be armies. Like, it, it doesn't. It could be fifth generational warfare. Like, we could literally just be in the modern equivalent. We use the internet. We use propaganda. It's information war. Or it could just be radically different than anything you've ever experienced. Yeah, I, I won't rule that out. Um, I, I got to tell you, man, look, they're telling us right now that they're going to give us a $1,400 check. Well, I shouldn't say us because it's not coming to me. That's for sure. They're going to give the average working class person 1400 bucks. I threw up my mouth a little bit when I heard that because I'm like, dude, I complained about the mass printing of money. But come on. Mm-hmm. The American people have been have been taken taken a boot up the butt from from these lockdowns. The very least we can do is borrow from ourselves. I understand mass printing is bad, but if it's going to the people to essentially give them the ability to facilitate the economic exchange, 
then the debt is incurred by the American people to keep the machine churning. Instead, they're doing this mass printing of money, sending money overseas, and then not giving anything to the American people for like six months. At a certain point, someone's just going to go like, I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. They're going to go out their window and they're going to scream and rage <sighs> or worse. I mean, it, you know, it could be. Um, I don't know. I, th- I mean, I guess I'm like, I, 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 I don't think that's as likely as just sort of continued, <laughs> you know, continued banal awfulness. Well, another thing to really kind of consider here is I know a lot of people like to see this between the left and the right. I think it's even going to be beyond that. I think it's going to be elements of the left eating themselves. And I think that might even get pretty violent coming up because the level of this stain and unpopularity that this president has is huge. You look at the comments, you look at the responses, you look at, yes, he was the the most voted for president in all of American history ever, but it doesn't really reflect on the excitement. There's no one excited about it. The only thing that they have now is this Trump gravy train that's it's on its last drips. They're still trying to milk it as much as they can with the 9-11 commission about the insurgency in Trump, but, but that's not going to work. And there's going to be a lot of people pissed off disenfranchised and i think if there is going to be a further escalation of conflict of violence which again we should do everything in our power to prevent uh, i think it's first going to foment within the left versus the left and i think that's going to lead a spark that's going to be very interesting and i think that's maybe one reason why we have these troops still staying inside of the capital so as far as the media wants to always keep dividing and conquering people they have a debt of accountability they overpromised and they're not going to deliver. And then people are going to realize that, and they're going to be very angry. Well, that being said, we should go to Super Chats, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you haven't already, smash the like button, because it really, really does help. Um, I, I think it's important people know that. Just interaction, commenting, just, you know, engage with the channel. And uh, subscribe, hit the notification bell, share the share the podcast if you really do like it. Don't forget to go to TimCast.com, become a member, because we'll have a bonus segment up. I gotta stop saying that bonus segment. It's exclusive right. segments of the show. Sometimes they go long. If we get into like a heated debate, we did about religion. It went for an hour. It was so really fun. fun. And we talked about, I think, what was the other one? I can't remember. Aliens or something. Mm-hmm. But we do that too. So now we're gonna read comments from you. So uh, get your super chats in. We'll try and read as many as we can. We got Justin Bartlett who said, doing my part to contribute to culture with a weekly podcast called The Dime Store Cinema. Tune in if you're tired of Rotten Tomatoes. Love you all. Very cool idea. I like right that. On. All right, let's see what else we got. Matthew Hammond says, seize the endowments and the wealthy's investment nonprofits. Oh, somebody's been reading my work. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, seize the endowments. I mean, I'm I'm really tired of the universities. Uh, and I mean, I'm reading this book, uh, Days of Rage. I've mentioned this to you before the show, but it's about the 70s weather underground. And it's the same as Antifa, the same people. But here's the difference. They they stopped. They finally came out from underground, got like three-month probation. And then they went to work as professors at universities. <laughs> yep. Shock. Like Bill Ayers was a professor at UIUC. Bernadine Dorn was a law professor. These people were terrorists. Yeah. Terrorists. Were terrorists? I mean, were? I, I mean, who knows if they're still working on bombs. But uh, Well, no. I mean, the, the way I put it is like, if you eat some human, does that mean you were a cannibal or 
Are you a cannibal? A good, a fair question. I don't know. Can't Call, shake but, it. but if you kill one person, are you a murderer or were you a murderer? Like we're paying, you know, if it worked for a public university, taxpayers are paying for children to be educated by terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Didn't Andrew Cuomo pardon a, a liberal uh, activist bomber that's now working for BLM? That was Clinton. Bill Clinton pardoned that person. Bill Clinton, I think, also Andrew Cuomo in a separate incident. On Barack a separate Obama person. pardoned Oscar Lopez Rivera, who was the head of the the. I forget exactly what the thing was, but it's the Puerto Rico oh, liberation but front. They they attacked Congress. You want to talk about an insurrection? They literally sure, shot up Congress. Sure, but come on. Donald Trump pardoned Roger Stone. I mean, come on. That guy is like, yeah, the, he's like Dr. Evil. I mean, you know? I, I did not like Trump's pardons. He pardoned Kwame Kilpatrick. <laughs> yeah, the they were terrible. Yeah. He didn't pardon Assange, he did pardon, but he pardoned yeah, right. Kwame He pardoned Kilpatrick. really bad people. Yeah. 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 Oh, the and, Detroit, the, the, and the, new, the New Jersey fraud doctor, the medical, uh, Melligan or something yeah, like Blackwater yeah. mercenaries. Oh, God. His pardons were awful. Yep. But, you know, hey, he didn't pardon... Puerto Rican terrorists yeah, okay. who attacked Congress. That's I don't right. know, man. That Roger Stone. He's pretty bad. He's so dangerous they needed to raid his home with the FBI because they knew how, how big of a threat he yeah, was. With, CNN. Yeah. Four, with four, the help of CNN. Six yeah. in the morning and yeah. CNN had to be there. They had yeah. to be just in case because we all know Roger Stone would come out guns a-blazing. Yeah. He'd be like Rambo. And they knew it because of their groundbreaking investigative journalism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that sounds right. <laughs> Alright, let's see where we at. Uh, not Bob Saget says Parler is a fed honeypot. Also, Trump won MAGA. Uh, I don't think Parler <laughs> huh. is a honeypot. I don't. I. I don't, I don't think so. I don't so. think so. I think, no. if I, I think they're all tracking you and all spying. You know, yeah, you're saying Trump Everything's won a on, a, on a YouTube channel, and you think Parler's the the honeypot? Like, yeah. I, th- I think <laughs> I think the FBI is reading the Tim Cast comments. Guys. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so uh, Michael Malice tweeted something where he was like, to the TSA agent who rec- who recognized me from Tim Cast. <laughs> He's like, that was funny. he's like, you were nice, but I hate your job or something like that. <laughs> Thanks for being nice, even though yeah, I hate your yeah, job. Exactly. Yeah. Well, they're not reading. They're databasing everything. And yeah. then if they need to go back, they will. They sure can. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Astronaut Kitty says, is Ian laundering Tim's warehouse full of beanies? <laughs> the warehouse is not full of beanies. It is full of our pillow. Ooh. We have the very first prototype. If you want to see it, go to Instagram.com slash Timcast. And it's the latest post. Breaking down our our plan for the Our Pillow product line. Groundbreaking. We are going to be when, when we do launch, where we, we we're getting the domain set up. We're going to be running ads for this. It will come in a box. It'll be a burlap sack in a box full of packing peanuts, and we're going to provide very detailed instructions on how you can build your own Our Pillow. <laughs> So it's a very complicated process of pouring packing peanuts into the burlap sack and stapling it shut. Yep. And you think I'm joking. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is a joke for sure, but I'm going to build this website. I'm going to be selling these things and it's going to be hilarious. And we're going to spray paint the revolution fist on it. I love it. And we're going to make them prohibitively expensive. And then if people buy them, I'm just going to laugh. Like, because I guess if you want to get it, it's a luxury item, but it's like the most brutal pillow ever. We're we're doing it. It's happening. And we're going to have tons of them. We have one. We have a prototype. Our pillow. Mavro St. John says, might not get seen, but I live in Portland. And I can confirm that any of the snow over here can throw the whole system out of whack. Anyone who stops emergency services are the real bad guys. Did yes. you guys hear about that? Yes. They were they were stopping emergency services in a- Portland? Antifa mm-hmm. pushed snow up to the garage door of a police station so the vehicles couldn't get out. Jail. Evil. Yes. You, like, Believe just... it or not, right through jail. Yes. But no, no, here's, yeah. a, here's the thing. <laughs> Seattle is not equipped for snow. It d- never snows there. And it's extremely steep hills. Mm-hmm. I, when I lived there, it, it was a light flurry. The whole city shut down. Mm-hmm. Buses were stopping. People were being warned, like, keep your cars, you know, brakes, wheels turned. 
a little bit of snow, and these hills are are ridiculously steep. Cars start sliding down and crashing. So for for people who live in Chicago, New York, or you know in the in the Northeast or whatever, people or in the Midwest familiar with snow probably think it's no big deal. They're like, oh, whatever. The police can just drive through it. Mm-mm. Not not in places like Seattle, yeah. you know, and and Texas right now as well. Got that huge snow. They're not equipped for this. They're not going to invest heavily in snow infrastructure when it snows once every 10 years. I guess Abilene's out of water right now. Who is? Abilene. The, the city of Abilene in, in Texas? Texas has no Whoa. water. Well, there's yeah. snow, right? Yeah, they do have snow. Yeah, I guess you can it's eat true. that. Yeah. Nate uh, Hammer says, CNN reported the FBI was having trouble bringing murdy, murder charges on February 2nd because there was no evidence of blunt force trauma. Interesting. And that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Dr. Doctor says, breaking. Sources close to Nancy Pelosi state she has admitted... That she is actually Skeletor and resides in Snake Mountain with her best friend, Chuck Schumer, a.k.a. Beast Man. And together, Joe Biden, a.k.a. Mecha Neck, will capture Castle Grayskull. <laughs> and the source close to Nancy Pelosi is a homeless guy out back yeah. who was about 50 feet away from her when she was talking. He told me everything. I, I mean, that's just that's really big if it's true. I could see it. I could see it be true. Bring me He-Man. I'm with the homeless guy. I don't know one. any lines from from from. He man, I was too too young for that. <laughs> the sinister sibling says, "I'm just thinking now. We've got my pillow. We have our pillow. How how long before someone <laughs> say, someone makes mine pillow? They actually did that. The left made a joke oh, where they're funny. mocking Mike Lindell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, we do have an actual our pillow, but it's just a design. Uh, if you go to timcast.com and click shop, it brings you to the store, and there is just a regular indoor throw pillow." And it's got a funny little graphic where, like, the my is crossed out and it says our. But we actually are going to be making making our burlap sack, our pillow kits. You have to make it yourself. We were originally going to send them to you pre-assembled like with, you know, staples shut. But then I figured it's probably more insulting to make you do the work. The point is, the pillow is brutal. We do nothing for you. And it's expensive. But it has the right ideology. Yes. So you have to buy it. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Sonny James says, FBI, CIA, a joke, been a joke. Now we are supposed to go to war with China. Why? Our own government and their state-owned media does to us what China does to the Chinese. Only difference, CCP is openly racist and selfish. You can't even defend your own property here. Yeah, man. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Cole Marshall says, Tim, you once talked about pots being used on places like Reddit in order to push certain ideas. You don't seem to reference it often. Why? Oh, Do you mean- pots? You mean bots or sock puppets? I don't reference it often. I mean, in the, when I need to reference it, I suppose I do, but I'm not going to randomly bring it up unless there's a reason to bring it up. But yeah, uh, sock puppet accounts. They're called sock puppets. They're fake accounts that look like regular people, but they're, you know, one guy will have 50 accounts and then claim it's, you know, different people. Not Heisenberg says, I gave $500 to Sicknick's GoFundMe. Maybe we can blame the, blame the stress of the situation on his death. I feel furious that I was lied to. Why wasn't the GoFund clear on his death? And why would you need anonymous sources for this story? The immediate defense on the left is, oh, he had a stroke immediately following what happened. I'm sure that was unrelated. I mean, they, they said Do you it, have any evidence of that claim? Like, well, we don't, I mean, or is it the same anonymous law enforcement sources that lied to us in the first instance? Right. Like, I, I, I think when they said unrelated, it's because they assessed what caused the stroke and said it was unrelated. Like, did they just add that word for no reason? I suppose so. Ricky Bobby says, hey, guys, thanks for all you do. Tim, FYI, the OK symbol, 100% a symbol representing white supremacy. For example, both correctional officers and inmates recognize it as such. Trust me, I would know. Just some insight. Hmm. Maybe now it is. 
Maybe that's that's. I mean, it's sort of they memed it into being one. I remember, <laughs> yeah, they did. right? Memed like, it into being and it was it like started it was, as a meme. Didn't I think it, it? was yeah, it did. yeah. It was uh, I forget Mike Ma or something like that. Who who fa- I think he was ultimately responsible for creating this 4chan meme to like. He was like, we're going to Trump did it. Yeah. So we're going to deceive journalists into thinking that the OK symbol is a white supremacy meme. And journalists were like, well, that's really silly of you because now we can call you all white supremacists. Yeah. Uh, so that was they, they, they a don't huge seem cell to, phone. They, I, I've heard from so many of these people who think, you know, yeah, but it's funny because they're dumb and they don't realize what it means. And I'm like, dude, the media knows what it means. They're laughing at you because you've <laughs> given them a weapon to convince Self- regular people oh. who don't know what it means. Yep. Right. Why would you do that? People don't understand optics and information war and, and propaganda. And the, the, the journalists were just like, oh, thank you so much for doing this. You know, you're your own worst enemy. What's this? Uh, Gigi. At this point, TMZ has more credibility than NYT. <laughs> That's the world we live in now. That tabloid papers are more likely to send reporters to investigate and find proof than the paper of record. Isn't that crazy? Yep. Well, this I'm is gonna- actually, I want to bring Jordan in on this because like you, Jordan did you know, actual journalism along with many other oh, like, daily caller, daily caller people yeah, like going a- to riots and the D- New York times was just sitting on their ass doing nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, New York times reporter was in one of the riots that I wasn't at, but I heard this story from someone who's there and the New York times reporter left because it was unsafe. So the New York times <laughs> oh, did no. not report what happened because they said it was not safe for the reporters oh, to be there. But, and was it like a leftist, riot? Yeah, it was a it was one of the BLM riots. Did they publicly r- write a story saying it was too dangerous? Nope. Being a, yeah, of course not. Of course, of course they did. Yep. So what they do is they'll just grab tweets from the Daily Caller while simultaneously <laughs> insulting uh-huh. them as a right wing far right publication. Tucker Carlson's The Daily Caller, a far right media outlet, had this tweet. That's why, you know, it's fake. BLM is peaceful. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. All right. Lou Sassel says we need to shift the culture with more truthful, factual documentaries and movies based on real events. Use the power of presentation to red pill people seeking these genres of entertainment. Mm -hmm. That's that's yes, absolutely. Yeah, I saw somebody suggesting we needed better like we needed some very good docudramas about like the Red Guards in China, the Cultural Revolution. Oh, yeah, absolutely. uh, I know Poland did something on Katian. We should be doing something in English on the Katian massacre. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of things you can do. So so we have Justin G who says, please stop saying assault rifles. That is not a real term. The media made it up. It means nothing. And full auto guns are not illegal. Look into it, please. All right, let's issue some clarifications. The term assault rifle originated in Nazi Germany. It was created, I believe Hitler coined the term himself. And so assault rifle is a reference to a selective fire rifle with single burst and full auto. Assault weapon is a term that is relatively meaningless. Assault rifle itself may have been made up a long time ago, but it does reference something specific. As for full auto guns not being illegal, right, what the, the, the point I'm making is that selective fire rifles are illegal, but they're not illegal if you go through the arduous task, depending on which weapon it is. I think you can get like an M16, you had to fill out, what, what does it look like, the, the tax stamp? what is it called the class three form or something yeah. Yeah. they're re- they're prohibitively expensive you can't make them so just to clarify what i mean by them not being legal is there's no new versions of civilian full auto you can buy existing ones by going through a relatively circuitous process that takes a very long time to do and then you actually can own these like sometimes ridiculously powerful crew served belt fed machine guns and i went to an event there's an event called DEFCON. It's a hacker convention. And they do this thing where they go in the desert, they go into the Mojave, 
and they just have a shooting range they set up. It's a whole lot of fun. And one guy brought some belt fed full auto and he was like, as long as you pay for the ammo, you can shoot all you want. It's expensive because, you know, at the time, I think I can't remember exactly. Uh, I think it may have uh, 762 maybe. So at the time, it may have been like a dollar around. Probably not. Probably like 50 cents. I don't know. I don't know. I, I know the prices now are, are getting ridiculously expensive. But you go to the range today and people are like, I don't want to shoot that much because bullets are too expensive. Like they're hard to come by. Short supply. I mean, if it's a dollar a bullet and you shoot, how many bullets a minute would that thing shoot? Like, I mean, you're spending a hundred bucks for a couple minutes. Yeah. Just like, do, 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 do. yeah. Today it's, it's particularly crazy. There's a lot of ammo that is insanely expensive because it's just, you can't get it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's part, like, it's, it's nuts. Like I think 30, 30, you know, not, not particularly common to be completely honest, but it's like four bucks for one bullet. You're like, you want to shoot your rifle and you have a 30-30, you know, Winchester or whatever. It's like, wow, man. Yeah. But there, you can still, you can still get some good price if you know where to look, I suppose. But it's, it's getting, it's getting up there, man. Osiris Cleaning LLC says you can't have guns in DC because it's US territory. The amendments were meant to protect the citizens of several states from the federal government. That's false. Yeah, that's a federal constitution. The second so. amendment of, applies to the federal government. The right of a free people to bear arms shall not be infringed. That, Tell that to DC. Right. Like, that's the idea that it's because it's a federal, the Constitution. There are areas where, like, the 14th Amendment was targeted primarily at the states in the aftermath of the Civil War. That was passed in 1865. The Second Amendment was part of the Bill of Rights, passed with the Constitution. Like, that's that's just wrong. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Sorry, commenter, but you are incorrect. <laughs> Someone's wrong on the internet? Oh, no. no. Yeah. Twisted Ninja says, does anyone remember that time that Andrew Cuomo murdered all of those old people and covered oh, it up instead yeah. of using the floating hospital that the president sent? I remember. Yeah. Oh, and and, I and we now know the reason he covered it up was because he was worried Trump would launch a federal investigation and it would help Trump win. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. So it's Trump's fault. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Oh, right. It's kind of crazy that uh, we just see it all happening right in front of our faces. The corruption, you know, it's just more... like murder, man. Murder. Like he killed these people. His press conference today, he was like, yeah. "We reported all the deaths, or we reported the deaths." Or he said something really like twisted and weird in this press like, conference. The, it was a disaster. I think, I think he said something akin to, "They're old people; they die." Who cares? Yeah, he yeah. said, "Who cares? They die. Did yeah. they die in a hospital, yeah. a nursing home? Who cares?" Oh my these god! Yeah, who cares? Yeah. Who cares? My goodness. Philip Somnit says, hey, Tim, love the show. I'm giving up YouTube for Lent, so I won't be able to watch for a while. Keep telling the truth. Whoa, whoa, whoa there, my friend. If you can't watch on on YouTube, go to TimCast.com and become a member for exclusive segments. But more importantly, all of this content from my other YouTube channels, YouTube.com slash TimCast and TimCast News, they're on iTunes, Spotify, all the podcast platforms. And this show is actually on iTunes, Spotify, and all that as well. So if you want to just listen to the show, we put them up immediately after the show. Just listen on the podcast. Yeah. Then you don't got to go anywhere. Andrew uh, says, you talked about HR127. Please look up HR1. Yeah, what, what, what is that? Do you guys that's, know? That's that? the election reform one. Right, the, the, right, like right. The national vote by mail stuff. The national Republicans never win an election again. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yes. It's weird how they want to do that after winning. It's almost like they want to wield their power to prevent Republicans from ever having power again. That sounds right. You know. Bottled Water says, do you need someone to focus on the UFO UAP task force? There is a lot going on. And if you want someone to help, let me know. Uh, I think we're actually, we're, we're planning on expanding and doing more podcasts. 
So we have just TimCast.com for now, but the goal is to actually make more site, more uh, websites. And uh, we want to launch a weird and... I don't know what the right way to describe it is, but we want to talk about crazy conspiracies and ancient aliens and UFOs, but from like a rational skeptic kind of perspective. So, you know, I think too much of the enthusiasm around a lot of these things is very much desperately wanting to believe it. So like ghost hunting, for example, they have like the, the electromagnetic frequency detectors. Like who determined that tracks ghosts? Uh-huh. You just randomly decided to grab something. Now, I want like a rational approach to what is paranormal phenomenon? Do we have experts and scientists who can tell us why is it that people experience these things? I'll tell you one thing. They say that ultra low frequencies could be a reason why people have uh, go- like hauntings or ghost sightings because there's something that's causing this ultra low frequency sound to go through you, which can mess with your brain and then... So people in specific areas might see ghosts when it's really just natural phenomena. We want to, we want to explore that stuff. So the answer is absolutely, maybe. Uh, we have jobs at timcast.com. Admittedly, it's not on the front burner right now. So I don't know who's going to get to it, but we're, we're trying to build as, as, as much as we can. We have a lot, we have a lot going on that's making things relatively difficult. Joe Spinella says original intent of the Second Amendment clearly states I should have the same long rifle as my standing army and cannot be infringed, period. That doesn't change. Government doesn't have the rights and cannot administrate my property. Well, there's a lot of people with guns in uniforms who will stop you if you try to defend your rights in certain areas. It's absolutely insane. Bare arms, literally holding it and walking around. Well, I mean, so to a slight correction there, right? Like the Fifth Amendment says the government cannot take your property without due process. It doesn't say it cannot take your property. Right, right, right. right? Like people often forget, you know, how does the government have the power to do this? Like people ask me how the government has the power to regulate big tech. I mean, like have you read the Commerce Clause? It's a big old power. Uh, Think of the taxing power, a big old power. It says the government has the right to tax you. And um, so it has a lot of power. It has constraints on that power. And really, the thing, the way to think about it is the powers are generally in the Constitution itself and the restrictions, the limitations on that power are in the Bill of Rights. And so the Second Amendment is one key limitation. Well, there you go. Gareth Green says, Pool, Sunbay, and friends, I support the right of any private property owner to discriminate on whatever basis they like. No one has the right to step foot on property they do not own. There is no right to a motel room. We must tolerate that legally. I, yeah, that's a normative claim that's wrong, <laughs> right? Like, I guess, no, I, I shouldn't say wrong. Just uh, disagree. I disagree, like vehemently. And I think that uh, I, I think it's okay to say that actually, no, I don't think you should be able to turn away people from your hotel because they're black. I think that's wrong and immoral. And I think it's perfectly legitimate for government to put a stop to it and to make that behavior illegal. I think, uh, you know, I've really thought about why we had these laws. And when I read your story about Lyndon Johnson, it made me kind of realize we, if, if, look, if you want to create a community somewhere on an island or it's getting increasingly difficult to do because the world is just, just a lot of people and jurisdictions have been formed. So I understand that argument that makes things tough. But if we're, even if you go to the middle of nowhere, people argue this. Yeah, well, even if I go to like the mountains, the government still comes for me. And I'm like, because you're still in a country guarded by all the missiles that all our taxes pay for and everything. So look, I get it. It's rough. We were born into a system paying a subscription fee. But the way I, the way I see it is you get 16, you get, you know, 16 years of essentially partially free living where people contribute to your existence. You get to use the roads, the sidewalk. 
you get to go to schools and it's paid for from, through public you know, contributions. And only then do you have to enter the workforce and start contributing taxes to that system. I think the best argument against taxes is that no one ever chose this, but you didn't choose your parents either. Right. And they I, have the right to discipline you. And, and I think that, you know, you really can go out into the middle of nowhere and kind of do whatever you want. I think people who argue that probably have never done that. Like, I mean, yeah, within reason. I mean, obviously, look, we, 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 we talked about the story where a guy had a tank with a fifth full auto 50 cal, like 50 BMG. And I can't remember where he was, but the police got a call of like he was shooting into a lake. The cops pulled up. The guy stopped shooting, waved, and asked if there was a problem. And they go, this is your property? And he goes, yes, sir. And they're like, have a nice day. And they left. Like, you can live in the middle of nowhere with a tank with 50 BMG full auto. And so long as you get, take care of all the legal process to it, nobody really cares you're doing it. I mean, we, we still ultimately do live in a very free country. And I yeah. mean, I'm trying to fight to preserve those freedoms and but and, and have them be meaningful uh, you know, in, in areas like social media. But yeah, we shouldn't forget, I mean... This is as free as there haven't been many freer countries in the United States. That's still and, true. And historically speaking as well. And right. when you travel around the world, you really do realize the, the few freedoms that we have, we should value and protect at all costs. And I mean, it's also one other thing to be scared of is a weak sovereign like that. Somalia, yeah. you know, people are like, well, Somalia is gr-. no Somalia is bad. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a mess. No, I've been up. there. I've yeah. been there. It's not nice. It's not nice. <laughs> no. you, you, nothing worse than you know living it, under a weak sovereign right. that is in the middle of a civil war. I mean, your rights are constantly changing depending on which warlord is ascendant. Remember when yeah. uh, Conan O'Brien went to Haiti to prove that Trump was wrong and he went to like this luxury resort with armed guards and then filmed himself in the water like it's great here. It's like, dude. Did, wasn't there like an earthquake that led to a massive, like the UN caused a cholera outbreak and then like covered it up? Nice. Like Al Jazeera broke that story. Isn't it interesting how whenever some lib wants to prove that some terrible place is actually wonderful, they, they show you a photo of the ocean, which is <laughs> not the country. <laughs> right, like, right, right. Like there's a bunch of water. Wrote, you know, Anna Navarro did that. She's like, Africa is so wonderful. View of the ocean. How about you turned around and yeah. look at the actual country and show <laughs> Well, Luke like. did that. No, I was like, <laughs> I did a full like documentary about Somalia. That's what I mean. You and, showed and, and the country, the honesty yeah, of it. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. It was I, good. I was on the beach. Work. I was on the beachfront too, and uh, met a Canadian there. It was oh. kind of weird, but uh, you know, met a lot of crazy, interesting people. Even expats who moved away from the West back to Somalia. I was in I was in Thailand covering you know the the monarchists versus the uh, parliamentary uprisings, mm-hmm. and I was with some vice journalists. This one vice journalist was telling me what was going on and explaining how she overheard someone yell F the king and then immediately went (gasps) like covered her mouth, realized it doesn't matter what the context is in Thailand. If you say any string of words that disparage the royal family, it's called les majestés and it's a crime. Les majest. Majest. Is that what it is? Yeah. You you, you go to jail for that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Even saying, I can't believe someone said F the king. You're under arrest. You said those words. That's crazy. I don't want to live in a place like that. I remember flying. Fun to visit. I remember flying out of Thailand, and as the plane is on the tarmac, the stewardess goes on uh, the intercom. She's like, "I'm so sorry. I regret to inform you, our king has died." And then it was the time when there was a transition. Uh, No, 
This was six months after the fact. Oh, so I'm flying wow. there and she's like, I'm so sorry. Oh my God. And we're taking off. Like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> like, and she's like, you know, our Supreme leader has died. And I'm like, okay, like, can I go back to sleep now? <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so it, well, was, it was long after, but still they had this mourning period, which was extremely long. Yeah. yeah. So, and, I, and I will say too, um, I'm probably pronouncing the name wrong, but King Pumipon was apparently a really awesome guy. He was trying to bring literacy to the poor and like really help them out. And people really did love him. Even the people who are protesting against him, the ones who would absolutely disparage the monarchy in violation of the law would actually be like, but we really do like the king. He's a good dude. We just need to change the system. So like even the people who didn't like it were very much like he's red. Now his son's taken over and that kind of that sentiments kind of changed. When I, we were working on a documentary for Vice, they kept throwing it back to us because they were like, the way you've described the king's son is illegal in Thailand. And we were like, why? We we're pointing out other people have criticized him. Like, you can't do that. So we had to find ways to critically compliment him, like make it sound like it's positive, but it's actually not. Mm-hmm. And it was really, it was really, really funny. Like, I can't remember exactly what we said, but we said he, some, some view him not as a god, but as a demigod. And that was supposed to be, I was like, it, what is this? Yeah. Doesn't like, he have a, like a team of concubines, right? Is that, I don't is that the same person? I remember uh, hearing but, some you know, wild stuff. Uh, that, in Thailand. I, I don't I mean that was older Thailand, not recently though. I don't, I don't know, but I'll tell you this: apparently, even me just telling you the story means I can't go back to Thailand. Oh. But it's fine because I was explicitly told after doing that documentary, I was never able to go back there again. Like, mm-hmm. I was advised by security organizations, like you don't want to go there because the doc we did actually got a bunch of traction, mm-hmm. and they mocked, like it made the monarchists look really bad, I guess. So they were like, "Yeah, they're not going to want you back." And if you go, they might try and so you shouldn't go yeah. to Thailand ever again. Yeah. I'm like, all right, well, I'm grounded. He has a team of concubines. It's yeah, it's the current one. Yes, yeah. who was it? Who had was it? Gaddafi oh, had those like oh, okay. those those lady right. assassins. He had like a blonde Swedish nurse. Gaddafi. Uh, Gaddafi. Yes, that was his <laughs> oh, like fine. main main chick. Who his was it? Bottom. But, uh, was it Mubarak? Which uh, one had all of those like female assassin type guards? Uh, that was the I think North North Korean leader, wasn't no, it? No, 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 no. It was one of one of the North African dictator guys. Uh, hmm. No, I don't. I don't yeah. remember. Was it doesn't it ring a bell. Maybe someone in the comments will. will yeah. Tell us. But well. Gaddafi, he had a very uh, bodacious uh, nurse. Bodacious. What does that <laughs> <Wow>. mean? <laughs> you know. I don't know. I love it. She had uh, endowed. Know, she was well endowed. Yes. There you go. Beautiful. With bazongas. Readout Production says, have you heard of the West Virginia Mine Wars, a culmination of labor disputes in the early 1920s, started with a shootout in a town that opposed coal companies, ended in largest U.S. insurrections in Civil War? I didn't know about that. I don't know if it ended in, I mean, if it ended in Civil War. Um, it, I mean, I know there was like rebellions and it was put down by the federal government big time. I think. L. Five I'm pronouncing your name wrong, I'm sure. It says, please try to get Maj Toure on the show. He's an amazing dude. Black Guns Matter founder for training for firearms for minority communities. Ran for office as a libertarian in Philly. Super intelligent. And we did have him on we the show. We have had him. Yeah, he's a rad dude. Yes. Yeah, he's cool. I yeah. want to come on with a libertarian sometime and argue with him. Do it. Like, yeah, I maybe like, Maj. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. Black no. Guns Matter. Well, I mean, I, I mean I, on that point, I agree with him. Yeah, I don't really sure. have any, you know, <laughs> like, I'm, you know. We can we can uh, we can we get hit up Robbie. Cato inst- yeah, get Robbie on. We'll do another yes. debate. He, Robbie's cool, you? dude. I like, we, we, I like we, Robbie. We argued. Yeah, he's 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 a pretty rad guy. I just completely dis- disagree with him on the regulation thing. But other yeah. than that, he's pretty spot on. Right. Like he's not the only person who's wrong about something. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. He got the Covington thing. He was one of the only journalists to actually get Covington. Right. Yeah, he nailed that one. 
Bobcat says, Tim, would you hire someone whose only journalistic experience is serving in an army recon unit, then joining a private intelligence company for beer money in college? If so, where do I send my resume? I, that, that's actually a really Sounds good great. resume. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Would you hire someone only with extensive recon? What? Sure, yeah, yeah. no. That's well, cool. when we start hiring, I don't know, you know, building this thing out kind of is, is kind of a go with the flow thing. And, you know, to be completely honest, we're just absolutely swamped with launching our pillow company. You know, it's our pillow company and uh, we're going to run these ads. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to get see if Ryan Long wants to uh, help put together the commercial and uh, hopefully we can just do more ridiculous things. You know, I, I, I just got to say this. I was thinking about I tweeted at Elon Musk a while ago. I don't know if you guys saw this. I asked him, I said, hey, Elon Musk, why haven't you built an Iron Man suit yet? And he responded, building Starship. And then I, <laughs> I responded, yeah, and I responded, that is an acceptable response. Like, I, I have nothing to say to that. Just like, all right. Because that was kind of the point I was making. Like, yo, you're the super rich guy. Like, where's the cool Batman stuff? And he's like, I'm building a Starship. And I'm like, eh. he's literally doing it. All right. Well, where's anyone else doing anything interesting to like kind of shake up the system a little bit, not in a crazy violent way or just kind of in a funny way to make things interesting, like, you know, the, the pillow thing, you know? I mean, are we all just kind of demoralized right now? Just because, uh, I mean, I, I think, you know, I think we're going to start doing that. It's been weird. Every You know, you think about how our whole country kind of, the combination of COVID and Trump made huh. our whole country focus on politics in a way that I think it never had before. Yeah. Um, you know, team sports got way less popular. It's ratings still, went down. Yeah. Still Shut down. Yeah. Uh, and so politics kind of became replaced sports for a lot of people as their primary con- thing, m- mode of consumption. But that's not, it's ultimately not like what produces innovation. Certainly. I was thinking, where's the silly commercial? Where's the silly billboard? Where's the, you know, just like the interesting out of con- like the, just the, the weird, the like life's so boring. No one does anything, you know, it's like everything's so predictable. Let's make a Let's make you know what? I think we'll sell a bunch of these pillows. I got to be honest. They're not bad. <laughs> no, no joke. Like packing peanuts in a burlap sack surprisingly works. I like it. I had a lot of people tell me like, dude, I think you think it's bad, but it's probably going to be a really cool pillow, like in terms of temperature. Because it's foam and the heat's going to dissipate very easily through the holes of the set, the burlap. It might be a little rough laying on because, you know, it's burlap, but uh, probably comfortable. I tried it you out. Be, you know, you could maybe give, make it a linen bag or something like that. Well, it's got to be replaced the, the packing peanuts. I think that would be. <laughs> Replace them with what? With Mike Lindell's patented fill. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Packing peanuts are dirt cheap. True. And all we got to do is send people a box with a with a folded up burlap sack with a revolution fist on it in a box of packing peanuts and instructions and a warning not to use it as a pillow. And we 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 take no responsibility for anything that happens to you for keeping this. Uh, I don't think the FTC is going to be OK with that. Sorry. Saying what? Don't use it as a pillow. Yeah. Thought, uh, We're going to have to get a lawyer and like make sure we go through it properly. Right. You might have to rename the product. Halloween? Or quasi pillow? Yeah, I mean, because you call something a pillow in the title, and then it's you say, but we don't. You can't use it, you as, can't a use it as a pillow. That's going to be like just trade trade deception. Mm. Really? It sounds familiar to like other. T- what t- if on the website we just have something that says like very clearly, this is a joke. It's a gag product. You can absolutely buy and do whatever you want with. 
Just this recognize is why we need you less have to regulations. Be very clear about that. Like, like when, when they're buying it, I'll say this is literally a burlap sack packed with packing peanuts. <laughs> if you want to sleep on that, by all means, do it. We're just trying to be ridiculous with this, you know? And yeah. Okay. I mean, that, I think a, that would work. You what just if gotta, they like spell pillow incorrectly? Like spell it with one L. With a U. Yeah. That, that wouldn't, that wouldn't yeah, solve no. the issues. That wouldn't solve no. problems. Right. 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 Yeah, I was, I was, uh, we, we were, we were brainstorming ideas for the commercial, and I was like, no, we still have legal requirements on like, yeah. even though it's clearly meant to be ridiculous, it doesn't matter because some people might not understand that. Right. So, because I was like, I had one person suggest you should say all proceeds will go to some charity or whatever, and I was like, no, we can't do that. I'll have to say all proceeds go to me so I can buy stuff that I want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's you, literally what we'll do. You, with it. you don't want to be deceptive right i mean actually that you know that's an interesting that's kind of how the whole bannon fraud case happened right. in southern district of new york right they went out and publicly said nobody was going to get paid and then uh colfage brian colfage ended up getting right. paid well all right ladies and gentlemen we're gonna we're gonna jump over to the ex the ex, uh, exclusive members only segment yeah. coming up at timcast.com so go there sign up and in maybe about an hour or so, the next uh, bonus segment will be live, and you can check us out there. Don't forget to follow me on – now you can follow me on Parlor, assuming you can get it to load properly, at TimCast. And you can check out my other YouTube channels, youtube.com slash TimCast, youtube.com slash News. This show is live Monday through Friday at 8 p.m., so we'll be back tomorrow. Don't forget to subscribe, smash that like button, hit that notification bell. Will, do you want to give any shout-outs to anything? Um, yeah, check out the latest pieces of human events. We got a couple of pieces up from Charlie Kirk and uh, David Creighton on uh, the impeachment that are pretty solid. Um, and please, 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 uh, youtube.com slash human events. We're trying to build our own channel. Right uh, on. So, Jordan, buy our pillow. our burlap sack thanks for promoting my company did you have anything (laughs) all right sure fine uh luke anyway no i'm kidding you want to mention your social media or your twitter yeah i'm a jordy lancaster on twitter and um dailycaller.com jordan lancaster i write every day so go read me if you're interested cool we also forgot to mention that today is a holiday for people who violated the constitution i think it's important to bring that up um (laughs) if you like puppies check out my instagram instagram hold on hold on yes the constitution didn't didn't exist for the first few presidents so uh they couldn't have violated it well most sorry most of the people that violated i don't think that's true the constitution was written when 1789 and george washington was president when I'm pretty sure it's starting in 1789. Really? That? I don't think really? he was sure. I think so. I think Will's right on I this think, one. I, I'm I, think, say I don't yes. think there was a president I'm in gonna the Articles say yes of Confederation and, uh, system. From my own personal opinion, based on no facts or evidence at all. That's right. I think so. <laughs> so uh, what's the verdict on this one? No, you, yeah, yeah. Will's oh, right. Will's correct. You mean Luke was initially right? Can you right. say that yeah, one more time? Because I love incorrectly. hearing that phrase. Never wrong. Oh, never, <laughs> never, <laughs> never <laughs> anyway, we'll back on to more. Did you hear I'm right? Back, <laughs> oh, back, yeah. uh, back on to more serious no, no, a- actually, matters. Well, well, so actually, uh, the effective date was just before George Washington. Uh, oh, interesting. Uh, just about uh, one month was when they were like, okay, we got to have a constitution. So Will's correct. Yes, Will is absolutely Back correct. Back to more important matters. If you like puppies, my Instagram, puppies, we yes. are change, is where to go. The t-shirt I'm wearing is a picture of George Orwell that says, boy, did I call it. You could get yours on thebestpoliticalshirts.com. And of course, I'm a YouTuber. So check me out on uh, We Are Change. Thanks for having me. That's correct. I do include Luke's at on YouTube in the description of all our videos that include him, because that seems like a nice thing to do since he is helping us out. He's a wonderful guest. I am Sour Patch Lids on Twitter and Minds, and I'm Real Sour Patch Lids on Instagram and Gab, and uh, I will hand it over to Tim. 
We'll be over at TimCast.com in the members only section coming up in about an hour. Thanks so much for hanging out and we will see you all there. Bye, guys.